Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle Smallman, everybody in St. Louis is smiling this morning. Good morning. Are we smiling because of the way the St. Louis Cardinals have been playing? How about those Redbirds? It's like a new team. We just own, own the Pirates and the Royals. That's right. Just give us some teams that the Cardinals can beat up on, and we're going to have a great time. <laughs> That's not a problem at all. So are they going to lose again this whole season? You know, I we are sunshine lollipops here. We so are. I, I yeah. want to say no, they're going to win out. But I think the odds are in, in, on the side of, yeah, they'll lose again. But it'll be a close game if they lose. How about yeah. that? And you know what? You don't want to have that <laughs> intense pressure. Heading into the playoffs where you say, oh, we've got a 45-game winning streak. That's right. That's so too you, much. Too much to yeah, handle. So you just want to decompress. Maybe only win like 44 out of 45 okay. so that you don't have that pressure. That sounds totally fair and reasonable. I'm sure the Cardinals would agree. Cardinals with a 7-2 win yesterday in Kansas City, and they just beat up on the Royals over the weekend. Let's be honest about it. The Royals didn't have a chance against the Cardinals in the three games. They beat up on the Pirates, too, who also didn't have a chance against no, the Cardinals in those games. They didn't. And part of the reason is because the Cardinal third baseman was red hot over the weekend of Nolan Arenado with their RBI single in the first to get things going. And that'll be a base hit into right. one nothing Cardinals. Scoring Tommy Edmond. Goldschmidt stops at second. Three consecutive hits to start the ball game. one nothing Cardinal. Jose Rondon doubled home a pair. It was 3-0 after an inning. Second inning, Paul Goldschmidt doubles to score Tommy Edmond and make it 4-0 and bring Arenado to the plate again. The 1-0. Arenado smokes it down. Consecutive game in Kansas City with a Nolan bomb, and he's up to 25. And this one, a two-run shot. And the Cardinals were not done. 78 runs batted in, and O'Neill hammers one to center. How about back to back? Yes. They've done it again. Back to back homers. Seven nothing Redbirds. Those back-to-back home runs always so fun. But you know what, Randy? It's almost like solid starting pitching and having your two best players get hot at the same time is a winning formula. It kind of seems that way, doesn't it, Michelle? It's crazy to think that Jack Flaherty would come back, that the Cardinals have guys like Adam Wainwright. Jay Happ has been great for them. Flaherty was solid in his first outing back. Oh, and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado clicking at the same time. And granted, they're playing opponents that if you have all of those things happening, you should be beating. But still, it's great to see this. This version of the Cardinals. Hap with five and two thirds. He allowed five hits, no runs. He walked two, struck out two, and he has been sensational for the Cardinals. John Lester has been pretty darn good. Adam Wainwright is always good for the Cardinals. And as you mentioned, Jack Flaherty's return on Friday night, and he was sensational as well. So the Cardinals 
now have moved within four and a half of the Padres in the wild card race. But Michelle, when you look at a little deeper at those standings for the wild card, not only are the Cardinals four and a half back, there's only one team between the Cardinals and the Padres who hold the second wild card spot. That's Cincinnati. But the Cardinals are only a game behind the Reds on the loss side and only three behind the Padres on the loss side. So the math in some ways is working for the Cardinals, except for the fact that they have to play the Brewers tomorrow. No, no, no. This is a positive. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that the Cardinals need to cruise to the finish line playing teams like the Royals and the Pirates. Yeah, that'd be fun. If they're going to have a chance. But I disagree. Because if the Cardinals are, in fact, a playoff team, they need to beat good teams. And who better than the Brewers, who you're going to play several times down the stretch here to prove that you're a playoff team? I'm not going to believe it's real until they go out and they play teams like the Brewers or the Dodgers in September, and they beat those teams. Okay, fair enough. And iron sharpens iron, Randy. If this is a team that's going to make the playoffs, they need stronger competition. What does iron do to pillows? Tears it up. Yeah. Tears it up. Let's be careful out there. Destroys it. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Schilt manages a club that... Only for the second time in Cardinal history, win six or more games on a road trip that uh, they go undefeated on. Um, yes, it does. Um, Tunes told me that right before we started, and I was like, "That's that's it's a heck of an accomplishment." And it was surprising for sure with the with the storied history of this organization and the. I mean, this team's played a long time with some amazing, amazing baseball teams, of the best in the history of our game. It's quite an accomplishment for this team. It speaks well to this team. And I've been saying how this team competes, and they got after it and had a great series. Now we uh, keep the momentum, bring it home, and get ready for Milwaukee. So Schilte is surprised. I'm surprised. You would think that those teams in 04 and 05, yeah. that won 105 and 100 games, you would have thought that they would have gone on road trips where they went 6-0, and right? I thought at some point in the Albert Pujols tenure that that would have yeah. happened. Yeah, me too. And during the Whitey and Tony years with as good as the club has been, but it has never happened. So now, as Mike Schilt mentioned, the Cardinals do come home to take on the first place Brewers. First time the Cardinals and Nolan Arenado have faced Milwaukee in three months. Well, it's going to be a battle. Um, They're obviously in first place. They're playing great baseball. Um, They're they're doing little things right, and obviously they're pitching great. So it's going to be a battle, but uh, we're playing good baseball, and we're confident in who we have and what we can do. And, uh, you know, we're excited for that series. They should be excited because didn't Greg Amzinger share with us that Nolan Arenado told him at the All-Star game that the Cardinals will be playing in the wild card. He did say that. So, Nolan, we know that you said that to Greg Amzinger. What about your playoff chances? Yeah, you know, um, I know this organization is uh, it's, it's always going to be in it. And this is why, you know, I'm here um, and because we're in it and uh, we have a chance. So just got to continue to fight. Um, we're, we're playing great baseball right now and we just got to continue to do that. But uh, absolutely, that's why I'm here. And uh I just want to continue to contribute. You know, that's why I'm here is to contribute to this this great team. All right. So it's not quite Greg Amsinger confidence where he's leaning in, whispering, we're playing in the wild card game. No, this is smart by Nolan. He's not trying to give the Brewers any bulletin board material ahead of the series. He's exuding confidence, but not arrogance. He's not saying Mm -hmm. anything matter of fact. But listening to him say that, I just keep thinking, we, of course, want the Cardinals again in the postseason because we love Cardinal baseball and we love postseason baseball and we love when the two combine. Get Nolan Arenado to the playoffs, please. 
Uh, how about Nolan Arnauto get the Cardinals to the playoffs? There you go. Throw the team on your back, carry them there. That's fine with me. But don't you want him to have that moment? Don't you want him to be in the playoffs wearing the birds on the bat? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <sighs> and isn't it interesting after 117 games that he is still saying, that's why I'm here. There were a lot of people in June and July saying, oh, this organization sucks. Nolan Arnauto is going to opt out. And I, I get the day-to-day frustration, but players don't experience the frustration the way d- we do. They move on to the next day, and they feel like, okay, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnauto are in St. Louis because they know their team right. is going to have a chance in mid-August to make the playoffs. And if they were on the Rockies or the Diamondbacks right now, they wouldn't have that chance. The Rockies are 52 and 66. The Diamondbacks are 38 and 81. And so what you're looking for is a team that's five games over 500 in mid-August. Yeah, it's like going from a motel to the Ritz, right? If, yeah. if you go to the Ritz and the, the room service doesn't come on time or it's a little subpar, you're still at the Ritz. As mm-hmm. opposed to a motel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I feel like that's what Nolan Arenado is. Now that we've gotten more insight on how dysfunctional the Rockies are, and we, we're seeing Trevor Story go through Nolan Arenado 2.0, and he yeah. was in such a bad spot that now he's on a team that, however small the percentage, does have a shot, and he's on a team that is playing hard right now, and he's in a city that's baseball-obsessed just like he is. So I think we need to keep that in mind when we – see the Cardinals go through slumps and, and we try to compare the two because even when the Cardinals are in a slump, it's a completely different environment. One other note about the wild card standings is that the Padres got Fernando Tatis Jr. back last night, yesterday. He played right field and hit two home runs. He comes back and he's up to 33 home runs in far fewer games played than anybody else. He leads the league in home runs. His talent is immeasurable. I saw him wearing the chain on MLB yep. Network. First game back, wearing the chain. Yeah. He's remarkable. He's so fun. And he's really the difference. And we're going to get into this later in the show, but he's the difference in the Padres being good or not good. Yes, he is it's the It's amazing that one guy, especially a guy that's not a pitcher, can have that much impact on a team. But he does. And I guess you can't pitch around him. I don't know why. Well, Manny Machado, maybe that's why you don't pitch around him. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that I would... Uh, want to battle Fernando Tatis Jr. I, I hope when the Cardinals play the Padres later on in the in the summer or in the fall, I hope that they uh, treat him like the Cardinals didn't treat Big Poppy in the 2013 World Series. Sorry to bring that up to you. Why, Randy? Why? We're riding so high on a Monday. Well, I just, I, I want us to learn from history, Michelle, uh, because <laughs> if you don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat it. That's true. Now, This is September 17th through the 19th at San Diego. The stakes are a little different than the World Series, but I get your point. Your point is well made. Thank you. And one other note here. Big fight at SoFi Stadium, and it wasn't on the (laughs) field between the teams. Did you see it on the Twitter machine? I did. I did see it. It was epic. Uh, a dude wearing an Aaron Donald jersey yep. who decided he wanted to take on the entire row in front of him. At one point, he kind of cartoon slapped like seven guys, yeah. and seven. It was seven guys, I believe, in a row, and then they all just by sheer will got him down. And then it was seven on one. And it he did was look toast. like a cartoon, didn't it? It really did. He thought he was Aaron Donald. He did think he was Aaron Donald, <laughs> and you know what I thought? Hmm? Probably naively, but I was like, that wouldn't have happened in St. Louis. No. Congratulations, though. <laughs> To, uh, to the fans who really show great passion in the stands at SoFi Stadium in L.A. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Next up, start one, bench one, cut one here on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate your text. 65780 is the text line. The Air Comfort Service text line here on 101 ESPN. And uh, we know that some of you are driving to work and some of you listen on the app. And apparently our stream is down. Working on it, though, and we'll get that baby fixed. So just stay calm. Stay calm. There's nothing to see here. Michelle, here we are on August 16th. Okay, so for the next six weeks... Through the end of September, start one, bench one, cut one. Nolan Arnato, Paul Goldschmidt, Jack Flaherty. We are. This is like three weeks in a row. I think we've come up with the same ones because mine oh, really? was mine was going to be Wayno Arenado Flaherty. Oh, okay. So we're thinking along the same okay, lines so, here. So yours were Wayno Flaherty, no, Goldie Arenado Flaherty, Goldie Arenado Flaherty. And you got a good bit. Cut one, unfortunately. Okay, so I'm starting Jack Flaherty. Okay, good. Because I've seen what life is like without him, and I don't mm-hmm. like it. I'm going to bench Nolan Arenado. Okay. And I hate to do it because he's hotter than the surface of the sun right now, but I think I have to cut Goldie. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I don't want to do it. Okay, how about this? How about mine? Wayno Arenado Flaherty. Okay, I am going to... I am. I'm going to start Wayno. I'm going to bench Flaherty, and I'm going to cut Arnado. <laughs> Tells you how important starting pitching is. Yep, I'm going with the pitching. But I was thinking about that. Even though Goldie and Arnado are so hot right now, even though Jack Flaherty has returned, and we know what, like I said, what life is like without him, and he was great in his return. Adam Wainwright has been the backbone of this team, and he's the most consistent player you have. You can't bench or cut him. No, he, he has been. He, he's the key to the team. And oh, by the way, for those that say, oh, it doesn't matter if you lose the number one starting pitcher, uh, exhibit B after the Cardinals missing Jack Flaherty. How about the New York Mets without <laughs> yeah. Jacob deGrom? How about the Dodgers for a yeah, stretch, w- right? without Bauer and Kershaw. No <laughs> doubt about it. And they get, they, they're able to turn things around. Scherzer last night was really good for yeah. them again. But number one starting pitcher is where it starts in Major League Baseball. All right, Emily is here with your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Emily, what do you have? From the 618, start one, bench one, cut one. Field of Dreams, uh, Winter Classic, or Ryder Cup? The Field of Dreams game was so awesome. It was. Okay, so Field of Dreams, Winter Classic, Ryder Cup. I definitely start the Ryder Cup. Uh... And then because of the fact that the Winter Classic moves around and we've had one and it was so cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bench the Winter Classic and I'm going to cut the Field of Dreams game, wow. as cool as it was. Wow. So I'm going to live in the moment and have recency bias and I'm going to start the Field of Dreams game. Oh, how about game. that? I thought it was perfect from beginning to end. I loved the intro Costner coming out through the mm-hmm. corn, the players coming out through the corn. The the music was amazing, and obviously the game was so cool and so fun and so exciting. So I'm starting the Field of Dreams game. I'm going to bench the Winter Classic as long as it's not in Tahoe, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to cut the Ryder Cup. Wow. Okay. We're almost completely opposite there. Yeah. We? Yeah. How about that? From the 618, start one, bench one, cut one. Purple People Eaters, Steel Curtain, or Monsters of the Midway. Oh, okay. So 
when we were in Canton, I told Randy, I'm jealous of Steelers fans. How mm-hmm. fun would it be to be a Steelers fan? Yeah. To to not only have a team, it kind of is like being a Cardinals fan, I guess, but um, to have a team that is consistently good or at least consistently interesting and have a team that really tries to represent your city mm-hmm. and you have the terrible towels. So I have to go with the steel curtain. I'm going to start the steel curtain. I'm going to bench the monsters of the midway and I'm going to cut the purple people later. Sorry. Okay, Michelle, I'm going to, I'm going to handle this in two different ways. I am going to go by quality of name and quality of defense. Okay. All right. In terms of quality of name, I'm starting purple people eaters. I am. I, I'm going to bench the steel curtain and I'm going to cut monsters of the midway. What? Yeah. Based on name, purple people eaters is the worst. No, it's the best. It makes no sense. What, are you only eating purple people? So then are you eating your own team? Purple people eaters. It's a song, Michelle. I know. I'm just saying. It makes no sense. Logically. Well, there's the Vikings. They wear purple. I know. And their defensive line, they swallowed up quarterbacks. Right. But it it could be taken two ways. It sounds like you're eating people who are wearing purple. No, they're purple. I'm just saying. They're purple and they eat people. I know. But I'm just saying you could take it one of two ways. You could do that. So. The, the confusion factor. The confusion factor puts it at the bottom okay. for me. The steel curtain, over the course of time, over the course of a decade, was the best. The monsters of the midway, and we're going to include the eighty-five bears and, and the monsters of the midway, Super so they Bowl won shuffle. the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then the uh, the purple people leaders would be the one I would cut in terms of the the quality of the team and the quality of the defense. Although the purple people leaders. A couple of Hall of Famers, right? But the other ones had more Hall of Famers. I think Monsters of the Midway is the best name. Do you? Oh, yeah. That's an okay name. Monsters of the Midway? And they're the Bears? Come on. Yeah. From the 636, start one, bench one, cut one. Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Okay. McCaffrey's uh, injuries last year bother me. Yeah. Derrick Henry's workload the last couple of years bothers me. Alvin Kamara is just great. He is like a, awesome. a poor man's Marshall Falk. They're all awesome. I am starting Kamara. I am benching Henry. And because of the injury issues last year, I'm cutting Christian McCaffrey. And he's awesome. He is awesome. All three of these guys are great. This is a really yep. tough one. Um, but I'm going to start King Henry. Just because if I could give one of these guys the ball and I have, we're just talking confidence level. Mm-hmm. I'm going King Henry. I'm going to bench Kamara and same thing uh, that you're saying because of the injuries, I'm going to cut Christian McCaffrey, but we know how dynamic he is. He's fantastic. This one from Al. Uh, start one bench one, cut one. Cujo, Fuhrer, Bennington. Ooh. Okay, Al. That's tough. Jordan Bennington has a Stanley Cup for the Blues. That's right. Curtis Joseph was, for the better part of half a decade, your Blues goaler and actually got teams to points in the playoffs that they shouldn't have been if not for him. And Fursey got hurt in his best chance. Not his fault, Nick Kiprios' fault. (laughs) But... If you take Fierzy's career with Edmonton, obviously you take him. Blue's career, I'm cutting Fierzy. I'm starting Bennington, Stanley Cup winner, 
benching Cujo and cutting Fierzy. Same thing. I'm going with the guy who got you to the promised land, mm-hmm. Monia Stanley Cup, and had some of the most unbelievable saves we've ever seen on the path to do so in Jordan Bennington. I'm going to bench Cujo, one of the all-time great nicknames and masks that yep. you've ever seen. And I hate to do it, but I'm cutting Fury too. Sorry, Fury. Sorry. We love you. Yeah. From the 636, start one, bench one, cut one, Blues captains. Mm. Bacchus, Petro, O'Reilly. I mean. Got to go with the guy that won the cup again, I was just going to say, I've got to go with the guy who hoisted the cup for the first time in franchise history with Petro. Now, when it comes down to ROR and Bacchus, that's that's tough because Brian O'Reilly, we have so much affection for him because he's the current captain mm-hmm. and, of course, was a huge piece of the puzzle to get the Blues to the cup. And essentially was the leader of that team, even though he didn't wear a letter. Correct. But David Bacchus was an amazing captain for the Blues. For a long time. And a lot of what he did and who he was translated to some of the players that ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So that's really tough. So I hate to do this. I hate to do this. And this might be controversial. I'm going to start Petro. I'm going to bench Bacchus. And I'm going to cut Ryan O'Reilly. Only because Ryan O'Reilly hasn't been the captain for that long. I'm going to do the same thing, but for different reasons. But I love you, Ryan, if you're listening. Thank you for everything. Uh, Petro hoisted the cup and saved dogs. Bacchus saved a lot of dogs. <laughs> and Ryan O'Reilly hasn't been around long enough to save a lot of dogs. But he buys guitars for kids. Which is very cool. Yeah. He yeah, does a lot of great things. He does. You He's, know what? He's going to, next thing you know, you're going to get a press release. Ryan O'Reilly saving dogs. Yep, that's right. <laughs> From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. James Earl Jones's voice. Oh. Morgan Freeman's voice. Oh. Al Pacino's voice. Oh. Okay. Randy, do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first, yeah. Okay, because I'm writing this down. They're all iconic, aren't they? Yes. For me, personally, if I were doing this show, I would want to go James Earl Jones, Al Pacino would be entertaining, and then Morgan Freeman. However, just in terms of having distinction to the voice... I'm going to go James Earl Jones 1, Morgan Freeman 2, and Al Pacino 3. Okay. I'm going to start James Earl Jones because, wow, those pipes. Mm -hmm. I mean, James Earl Jones makes the Sandlot in so many ways, right, with that voice. I'm going to bench my fellow Paisan and Al Pacino, and I'm going to cut Morgan Freeman only because I feel like Morgan Freeman voices so many things that it's become a little oversaturated because his voice is so great. But he's the voice of how many commercials? I mean, we see Morgan Freeman yeah. voicing 50, everything. 60, 70. So many things. Yeah. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. Albert Pujols, Keith Hernandez, Goldie. Well, you certainly start Pujols, right? Yeah, you, there's no other option there. He won three MVPs. Hernandez won a world championship with the Cardinals and an MVP and is in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So he goes bench and Goldie, all due respect, we love you, but go win an MVP in a World Series. That's right. Get a red jacket and then we'll talk. Yeah. I'm with you. Same order. From the 618, start one bench, one cut one. Jay Happ, John Lester, Wade LeBlanc. Wade LeBlanc got hurt. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. 
So you're Sorry, a cut. Uh, J Hap over John Lester. J J Hap greater sign John Lester at the moment with the Cardinals. Yes, that's right. I'm going Hap Lester LeBlanc. Now, obviously, again, if we go career accomplishments, Lester's far and away number one. Hap is far and away number two over LeBlanc number three. Mm-hmm. But because we're just talking Cardinals, we're, we're doing it this way. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, the Cardinals are now in the hunt for the wild card. But do they have a legit chance? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals have now won eight of their last nine, and they have moved into contention, at least, for the National League wildcard spot. They trail the Reds by two games and the Padres by four and a half for that final spot. Mike Schilt, seeing things come together for his club. I mean, this is the team that we played a lot of good baseball, just putting it together. I mean, you know, that's the key to this thing, putting it together, being consistent on both sides of the ball. Much like we were to start the season, very consistent offensively, starting pitching defensively, um, doing the little things. And now we've got, you know, our starting pitch has been really good. Hap was good again today. Um, and the guys came out, swung the bats, and played excellent defense again and, and did some little things in the bases and just a well-run overall um, well-played game. Michelle, the Cardinals just a game behind the Reds in the loss column and three games behind San Diego. And the key, obviously, is going to be catching the Padres. But the Cardinals do have games left against both San Diego and Cincinnati. So here we are on August 16th. The Cardinals are five games over 500 and they control their own destiny. And when you look at the schedules, if you're comparing, first of all, Maybe this is getting a little too ahead of ourselves, but don't you feel like the Reds are not going to be a factor in this if the Cardinals continue to play the way that they are? Don't you just feel like the Reds will red at some point? Yes, I kind of think that's the case, yeah. I know that sounds awful, but it just seems like history has told us that the Reds will find a way to lose and the Cardinals will find a way to win. Um, So let's just hope that that happens. And if so, if we're talking about the Padres and the Cardinals, if you look at the schedules that the two have, the Cardinals have a much more favorable schedule heading down the stretch here. And if I look at the, the very end of this, like if it comes down to the last final stretch here, which for the Cardinals it has in many seasons past when the playoffs were on the line, it's come down to the final stretch here. The Cardinals have seven of their final 10 games versus the Cubs. They have a three-game series versus Milwaukee wedged in there. But from Friday, September 4th until Sunday, October 3rd, they have seven games versus the Cubs. Obviously very winnable games for them. Now, conversely, if you look at the Padres down the stretch, they have six of their final nine games versus the Dodgers and the Giants. So if the Cardinals and Padres are neck and neck as it comes down the stretch here, obviously the Cardinals have a much more favorable schedule. In Major League Baseball, the Padres have the most difficult schedule remaining. A 552 winning percentage against the teams that they have left. They've got 42 games to go and so they're going to have their hands full because they have not played well in a long time. The Mets have the sixth toughest schedule. The Cardinals have the eighth toughest schedule. And then when you look at the rest of the contenders in the National League, you have to go pretty far down. Cincinnati has the second easiest schedule remaining with a winning percentage against of only 463. And Philadelphia, by the way, has the easiest schedule. But I'm kind of with you about Cincinnati, especially with the way the Cardinals have played against them this year and the way the, the Joey Votto and the Reds have talked about it. I kind of have a feeling the Cardinals will be primed 
against Cincinnati with those two teams pretty close in the standings. The other part of the Cardinals schedule is you mentioned the games against the Cubs. 13 against the Brewers Mm -hmm. remaining for the Cardinals, and the Brewers are clearly the best team in the division, but then 14 against the Pirates and the Cubs. So the Cardinals really have to continue to make hay against the bad teams. You have to hope, and you don't hope that anybody's hurt, but you hope the Dodgers are still playing the way they're playing now when the Cardinals face them. And... The Mets have fallen apart, and DeGrom shut down for another two weeks over the course of the weekend. The Cardinals have three against the Mets in mid-September, 13th, 14th, and 15th. You have a three-game series that you're opening up tomorrow versus the Brewers, and then after that, you're playing the Pirates twice, you're playing the Tigers, and you're playing the Reds. Yeah, the rest of August should be smooth sailing for the Cardinals unless they go pre-All-Star break Cardinals on us, right? I feel like we shouldn't even talk about this because the last time we said the Cardinals have a very winnable stretch ahead of them, we know what happened. It was a disaster. But this is a different team. Jack Flaherty is back. Miles Michaelis returning. And it seems like the offense has has found something. The offense is clicking. Goldie and Arenado both playing at a very high level at the same time, which is exactly what you need. But the opportunity is there for the Cardinals if they, if they can continue on the way that they've been playing. And... They really have not been consistent all year long until now. And this happens in baseball now. It used to be that you had to be pretty consistent. You kind of had to know the personality of your team Mm -hmm. by the start of June. Now it really doesn't matter until August and sometimes September, as the Cardinals showed us in 2011, as the Rockies showed us in 2007. Sometimes the personality of a team doesn't really emerge until late in the season. And if that's the case with this year's Cardinals, all the better. The key, though... It's going to be if it's great to beat up on these losing teams and the Cardinals obviously need to do that. But I do think in those 13 games against the Reds, they're going to have to play over 500. They're going to have to go seven or against the Brewers. Rather, they're going to have to go seven and six against Milwaukee and against their starting pitching. The Cardinals will have their hands full doing that. What do you think the identity of this Cardinals team is? You were just saying that sometimes the personality doesn't come until late in the season. What is the identity or the personality of this team? You know what? It's interesting you ask that because it didn't arrive until this month because it didn't arrive until this month. The the identity of the Cardinals, if you're going to pick why the Cardinals win, it's going to be because of good veteran starting pitching. You're it's going to be right. because of the additions of Hap and Lester to Flaherty and Wainwright. And here, when those moves were made at the deadline, we just kind of shrugged our shoulders at them. And we thought, oh, just innings, guys. Mm-hmm. The, the Cardinals aren't going to make any significant moves to help them. They just want to protect guys like Woodford and guys like Oviedo. And here these guys, here they've come. And especially J-Hap Lester, too. But especially J-Hap, I did not expect what he's given the Cardinals. And sometimes a change of scenery is really valuable. Look at the teams that those guys were playing on. The Nationals, who were bad. And the Twins, who were bad. And sometimes you get to a spot where there's a little excitement. You got a guy like Nolan Arenado on the team. You got a a Wayno on the team. You have people that never say die, like Adam Wainwright. He says anything's possible. And all of a sudden that becomes infectious, and you get rejuvenated by a team that's in the hunt. Yeah, you're thrown to Yadier Molina. Yeah. Different vibe. Totally. And so that's an interesting thought about the Cardinals. And... I said, Michelle, I gave him a 1% chance, didn't I? I left that door open because it has happened before. Do we have the percent, the updated percentage? We need to find that. Well, still 1%. Still 1%. Oh, my percent is still 1%. The Randy character is still at 1%. Yeah, I, okay. I still got 1%. 
after we're doing the numbers here and we're talking about the schedule and we're talking about the possibility of them making a run here and sneaking into the wild card, you're still only giving them a 1%? The Brewers scare the daylights out of me. I could very easily, in those 13 games, see the Cardinals going 3-10 and 10 against the Brewers. Well, we're going to talk about this later in the show, but I want to find out what is the the Brewers' vulnerability. So at 9.30, we're going to talk to Jeff Levering, who is the Brewers' radio broadcaster. He's going to tell us because... Every team has a weakness. Every team has something that makes them vulnerable, and I wonder what the Brewers is. The Cardinals are going to beat them. they got to beat them 2-1 because we know they can pitch, but we know that at least at one point before they got a lot of their new guys, they weren't very good offensively. So you're going to have to win games 2-1, to one, I think. That's what he'll say. We'll find out. Coming up next, though, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it with Michelle, Randy, and Emily on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Randy, Emily with you for Take It or Leave It. And this one, I must confess, Michelle, you were 100% correct. Oh. Dateline Vegas, Friday night. Alex Rodriguez wearing a sleeveless black leather vest, no shirt, dancing with three blondes mm-hmm. at the Omnia in Vegas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dancing with three blondes at the same time. Okay. Uh, take it or leave it. The breakup with J-Lo has caused A-Rod to go off the deep end. Uh, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say the breakup with J-Lo has caused A-Rod to show us the real A-Rod. <laughs> I think J Lo was a she little bit settled of kab- him down. It was a little kabuki makeup, right? It, it covered him up a little bit. But this okay. is the A Rod we've always known. J Lo was was a diversion from the real A Rod. He used to sit at the Super Bowl and let Cameron Diaz feed him popcorn. Right? Come on, are you surprised by the by the leather vest and the multiple? I'm a little bit blondes. Maybe I shouldn't be. Come on, this is this, this is, is A Rod. Did, did have a centaur of himself picture above his bed? That's right. He? Okay, yeah, I'll leave it to you. Come on. He was already it. off the deep end. Wasn't he supposed to be getting ready for a game on Sunday night, two nights later in New York? Oh, he's fine. I'm sure, Randy. Okay. He has producers that prep him up on his private jet and he's flying to the game. And who among his friends sends him out or allows him to walk out the door in a black leather vest with no shirt and says, yeah, that's cool. All the people on the payroll that are going to Vegas with him, you think they're going to say no? Somebody's got to say no. Somebody's got to be the adult in the room and say, hey, Rod, this is not good. The most valuable person you can have in your inner circle, if you're very famous, like mm-hmm. A-Rod, is someone that will check you. Yeah. You right. need someone to say, that's not it, bro. Yeah, right. I know you want to go wild, but you're a public figure. These photos will get out, and this is not the look you want to go for. And they did get out on TMZ. Help me help you. That's what you need. <laughs> Same thing with LeBron and Space Jam. In the beginning, all that talk about he's the greatest, you know, it was just LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. You need someone in the inner circle to say, you don't have to talk about your, you being the best. Mm-hmm. It's just let it be implied. Okay, take it or leave it. Put yourself in J-Lo's situation. Uh, happily. Take, take it or leave it. <laughs> You're J-Lo. You see this on TMZ. And you at least text A-Rod and say, dude. Leave it. If I'm okay. J-Lo, A, I don't read TMZ, because why? B, I'm too busy on a yacht with Ben Affleck to be concerned about A-Rod. If I'm J-Lo, I've already blocked him. He cheated on me. He's blocked. Okay. Right? 
Yeah, why, but you why used would to you hang leave out, that open? You used to allow your kids to be babysat by the guy. Take it or leave it. If you're J-Lo and you happen to see the TMZ photos, you send it to your group chat with your girlfriend saying, LOL, dodged a bullet. Uh, no, you spent three years with the guy. You dodged a bullet, though. Yeah. You could have married yeah. him. They were engaged. Oh, yeah. We'll take that. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, Randy, take it or leave it. Um, so Jay-Z and Michael Rubin, who owns the 76ers, they're applying for a gaming license to form Fanatic Sportsbook. It's going to be the newest and latest sportsbook in New York. Now, this process is expected to take a few months. This is according to Adam Schefter, who always has the NBA news these days. But he says it's a big business and it could be growing. Take it or leave it. Michael Rubin and Jay-Z will open a string of sports books across the country and they will be very successful. I will take that. Yeah, it seems like everything Jay-Z puts his hands on turns to gold anyway. And it just makes sense. And uh, nobody will market it like he and Michael Rubin. So yeah, I I would take it. Absolutely. They're going to make tons of money. And we're going to give it to them. (laughs) All right, Emily, what do you got on the text line? From the 636, it's National Tell-A-Joke Day. Hey, hey. I bet you know where this is going. For, uh, take it or leave it. We need a good dad joke from Randy to start the week. Oh, take it. Hmm. Doesn't okay. have to be now. You can marinate oh, okay. on it. You I'll, th- I'll, I'll marinate on it then. But okay. you have to take it, right? Yeah, I'll, uh, absolutely. We'll take it. Yeah. All right. From the 618, take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright will get Cy Young votes. I'll take it. Yeah. If you go through one through 10, I think you have to give Adam Wainwright. There's no doubt. I mean, only one major league pitcher has more innings. Only three major league pitchers have more wins. He's got to be in the Cy Young conversation. Absolutely take it. He's got to be in that in that mix. From the 314, take it or leave it, Nolan Gorman will have an impact on the Cardinals' stretch run. I'm going to leave that. I don't think the Cardinals bring him up for September. I think they bring up two guys, but I don't think he'll be one of them. What guys do you think will come up? I think one of them will be a pitcher. I agree. And then... Uh, I just don't think they'll add him to the 40-man. Is he on the I don't think he's on the 40-man now. Uh, I just, I don't think that they'll make that move. I think it'll probably be, hmm, maybe you bring somebody off the DL. I, I, I'll, I don't know. I'll think of whoever it's going to be. I'll give you my two. Okay. From the 618, take it or leave it. Flaherty, Wayno, Michaelis, Lester, Hap is a strong enough rotation to get to the wild card game. It's going to have to be. <laughs> and I will take that if you can keep Goldie and Arenado healthy. From the 636, take it or leave it, Randy makes better deep dish pizza than most of Chicago. Oh, I'll take that for sure. Oh, thanks. Appreciate because that. Randy can make anything spectacularly on the Traeger, and most deep dish pizza is trash. So I'm going to go with Randy here. I appreciate that, Michelle. Thank you. Disagree about the most deep dish pizza being trash, but I appreciate your confidence in my abilities. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Cardinals should sign Jay Happ as a depth piece to the rotation for next year. I'm going to defer until after the season on that one. To see if they make another move? Yeah. Mm -hmm. From the 314, take it or leave it, if Yachty doesn't play here next year, Wayno won't either. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that also. As much as... We thought that their decisions were intertwined as they were heading into this season. I think, I'm sure it'll be a factor or a consideration. They're hermanos, Mm -hmm. you know. Those guys are brothers. They've been together forever. It would be amazing for them to end their careers together. But I wonder what the interest level will be on both sides. And 
maybe one wants to walk away and the other wants to continue playing. I think that while it'll be a consideration, I don't think it will be the only factor. And I think the Cardinals might wind up being more enthusiastic about bringing Wainwright back than Yachty. Wainwright has been productive. Yachty's hadn't started for the last 10 games, so the Cardinals clearly are paying attention to Yachty's level of offensive success since the All-Star break. From the 636, take it or leave it, the Blues need to make one more trade or free agent acquisition to be serious Stanley Cup contenders. I would like to see some size on the defense yeah. be, be added. I'll take that, but I don't think it has to happen now. I think the, they can still be serious cup contenders, make that move at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and still get that guy. By the way, whoever goes down when Miles Michaelis comes back will be one of the pitchers. And then I don't know if they bring back Justin Williams or if they bring up Sanchez, but I just don't think that they're going to bring up Nolan Gorman. I don't think they'll bring him. I don't think they'll add him off the 40 and then move another person off the 40 man roster. From the 314, take it or leave it. The Cardinals are just on an awesome winning spree because of facing horrible pitching. Yeah, I'll take that. That helps. Yeah, that certainly helps, which is why I think you're going to see how real this is coming up starting tomorrow Mm -hmm. versus the the Brewers. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it, the Cards only make the playoffs if they can keep playing the Pirates and Royals in September, too. I'm going to leave that. We just ran down the schedule. The Cubs have lost 11 in a row. (laughs) Yeah. They, They play, what was it, seven of their final 10 versus the Cubs. Right. They do have seven against the Pirates, so that's 14 of their 45 against those two teams. You've still got the two games against the Tigers, right? Yeah, so I have the schedule right here. So Mets after, are wallowing. Yes, so after this three-game set versus Milwaukee, you play the Pirates, the Tigers, the Pirates, the Reds. Then you play the Brewers and the Dodgers, but then you have the Reds, the Mets, Padres, Brewers, so that's a tough stretch there. But then you close out with Chicago, the Brewers, Chicago. So that gives you an opportunity. So just count the the Cubs as the Royals for your question. Yeah. And we'll take it. You've got some pockets in there where you can certainly make headway. Right. If you're the Cardinals. And we don't know what the Dodgers are going to look like when they get in here. Mookie Betts had to have another injection into his hip. They still don't have Kershaw back. We don't know when or how effective Kershaw is going to be. Doesn't seem like Max Scherzer ever lands in the rotation to pitch against the Cardinals here. So it'll be interesting to see what the Dodgers look like when they come back. Did you read that updated piece on Trevor Bauer over the weekend? I did. I don't think he ever plays again. I don't either. I think he's done. Yeah. Especially Washington with, Post, right? Yeah, with the Washington Post article. For those who haven't read it. Yeah. All right, we'll do one more. Okay. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Blues pick up Chara. I'm going to take that. Ever since I was driving around town, I was driving to a workout at the MAC, I heard Jamie Rivers talk about that initially on the fast lane. I couldn't get out of my car because he was talking about his his possible connects of where he may have gotten this information, and he was on this from the beginning, and I'm going to take that because I would love it. All right. Uh, Jamie would know. Doug Armstrong is and a guy. He gently that, suggested it. Yeah. Doug Armstrong's a guy that for years, years, has preached younger and faster. I don't think there is an older or slower player in the NHL than Zdeno Chara. He's 44, and granted, he's 6'9", and he does have a a long stride, but he's slow. He's not agile. He played with his jaw broken. 
Okay, that's a good thing. Yeah, he, um, and he Char did is a monster. Okay, he, he was a monster. That was, that was my best Boston okay. attempt at a Boston accent. Maybe Tori Crew goes to Army and says, Hey, Army, Charles, come here for the minimum. Go get him. But the one problem the Blues have right now, they still haven't signed Robert Thomas. To get Charles, they'd have to trade Blatty, my point here. Right, right. They still haven't signed Robert Thomas, and they have a million and a half dollars in cap space. And Thomas is at least going to make two and a half million. So you got to trade Vladdy before you can go get Chara. And I still can't believe it's August 16th and that situation has not been resolved yet. I thought for sure when we first got word of that, that there would be some sort of groundswell to make it happen sooner rather than later. Looks like he's coming back. Michelle, (laughs) the baseball playoffs will start with Vladimir Tarasenko wearing a blue sweater. Wow. How about that? That just happened. So because you proclaimed it on the show, it means that he's getting traded he's tomorrow. Out of here. <laughs> he's out of here. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your texts on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Jack is back for the Cardinals. How brilliant was he over the weekend? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> On a Monday in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker and Smallman. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And Michelle, what an impressive, magnificent performance by Jack Flaherty Friday night in Kansas City. His first game since Memorial Day when he got hurt. He goes six innings. He allows only two hits, no runs, struck out five, didn't walk anybody. And he threw 81 pitches in those six innings as the Cardinals rolled to a 6-0 shutout win over the Royals. He looked incredible, and it's so great to have Jack Flaherty back. And as I was watching that game, Randy, I just kept thinking, what if he didn't get hurt? Where would this team be if Jack Flaherty never went down with an injury? Because you've said it many times, the ace is so important, and clearly he makes such a difference when he's back with this team. And look at it from this perspective. If Flaherty is pitching, Oviedo isn't. That that was your emergency starter, right? Right. And so, how many outings did he have without a win? <laughs> right. And he still has all those outings without a win. And Flaherty doesn't lose. He's 9-1 and one now. And he was asked after the game if he met his own expectations for this start. Yeah, I mean, it was to go out and give the team a chance to win the game. Same as it always is. Go out, try to give us a chance to win. And keep making pitches until Schulte tells me, you know, that's it. You know, that's good enough. So uh, I felt like I was able to do that, stay in the moment, stay present, you know, not try to get ahead of myself, not try to do too much. And he always talks about that, staying present. But it has to be hard to do when you're coming back after not pitching for two and a half months. It does, but Jack Flaherty is so mentally tough and somebody that really believes in himself and his abilities. And anything that you heard from him leading up to this was how eager he was to get back out there and compete and compete with his team. We talked to Wayno last week about talking to Flaherty about not wanting to throw the ball a million miles an hour. And that was one thing that I was looking for early, is he trying to overthrow. How long did it take him to fall into that rhythm that he had? I felt like pretty quickly, you know, once... once yeah, it was back there. I think it just took one pitch. Once I once I do that first strike in there, um, felt every felt like everything was pretty normal. You know, it was a it was a nice atmosphere to pitch in. Um, kind of hearing everybody and hearing the, you know, just the excitement. So it was a uh, there was a little buzz. It was it was nice to have. Of course, there's a little buzz when 
Jack Flaherty returns, but he did look free and easy, didn't he? He looked like he was completely in control. He was so efficient. And if you're the Cardinals and you had put together a little bit of run prior to, to Jack Flaherty's return, but you have to be feeling very good about your team, despite the the opponents that you've faced over these past two series. Your offense is coming together. The two main guys on your team that are supposed to contribute for you from an offensive standpoint and Goldie and Arenado are on fire. Adam Wainwright's been Adam Wainwright. You're getting uh, some veteran support from Lester and Hap. And then, oh, by the way, Jack Flaherty's back with Miles Michaelis coming back as well. You have to feel pretty confident right now if you're the Cardinals. And sometimes that's what it takes. It takes a shift in momentum and have everything clicking at once to make a team really feel like they can go on a run. And that was one thing about Flaherty the other night. Everything was clicking. Every pitch was was working and this is a guy that loves to compete he loves to be on the mound he loves to be around his teammates spent a lot of time around his teammates because he didn't want them to go through their struggles and him not be a part of it but what are some of the things that he missed when he was hurt I think competing with these guys specifically you know competing is one thing but then you know being able to look out and, and having Yachty put signs down and you know I always before every hitter I, I just reach over and like you know kind of acknowledge Goldie um, and seeing him over there and seeing those guys out there in the field, uh, just a just a different feeling coming to the dugout and uh, you know being a part of that and, and knowing you know seeing my name in the lineup card and and being able to compete with with these guys that that was that was something I missed. What you want first and foremost from a professional athlete is somebody that just desperately wants to compete, and we talked all the time about that Mamba mentality that he's adopted that Kobe Bryant has, and at his core. Jack Flaherty is a competitor. So many guys on this team are, which is why I'm sure he loves being on this team and he thrives in this environment. Mamba mentality with Jack Flaherty. Nothing needs to be said about the intensity of Yadier Molina. Mm. We know that Nolan Arenado possesses that. Paul Goldschmidt possesses that. Adam Wainwright loves to compete more than probably anyone I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And that has a ripple effect. When you're Matt Carpenter, let's just take everything aside, loves to compete and work so much that he injures himself mm-hmm. because he likes to work so hard. And when you're in a group like that, you never want to be the weak link. You always want to rise to the to the competition level of your peers and then supersede that. So I'm sure that he did miss that. That's something that you get addicted to, the competition yeah. and being part of a group that thrives in that environment. Team loses number one starter. It has an effect. So Nolan Arnato, what was the impact of getting a guy like Flaherty back? Yeah, I mean, obviously when we lost him, that was, we went on a pretty, you know, rough stretch there, you know, L.A. after L.A., it kind of got a little tough for us. You know, right after L.A., we got, I think we got swept by Cincy in a four-gamer. So, yeah, I mean, we went through a tough time without him. And uh, just like anybody would, when you lose a pitcher like Jack, you know, you're going to have a hard time. So just having him back today just felt so great. I mean, just going out there and, you know, shutting them down, it was uh, it was just great to, I would say play behind, but I didn't really play behind it today. But uh, just just watching it from the bench, I guess, was uh, was pretty amazing to watch. And that's your win day. That's mm-hmm. your, your ace. And the Cardinals, when he goes to the mound, that's a day that you just count on a victory. And the Cardinals now have two guys in Wainwright and Flaherty where you, when they take the mound, you say, okay, we're going to win today. Yeah, which is a great feeling to have. Mm-hmm. And 
really would have helped them. Now, listen, in June, they had more issues than just Jack Flaherty being gone. We're not going to pin everything on Jack Flaherty's absence. However, if that's win day and you have somebody that can break up those slumps, knowing that he's going to go out there, and then you have two guys that can go out there and do that, you're in a completely different position. Now, we know what we know about Flaherty as a competitor. What has Arenado learned about Jack Flaherty as a competitor? Yeah, I mean, obviously, just an extremely hard worker, one of the hardest workers I've ever seen, and uh, someone that cares. You know, he cares. He cares a lot, and uh, he puts a lot on his shoulders. I mean, he wants to carry this team just like Wainwright and Yachty do, and uh, I mean, he's got the capability to do that, and um, he's just, I think he's got a chance, I mean, just be really elite, and, uh, you know, all those, he's, you know, he's got a chance to do great things in this game, and, you know, you know, he'll be up for those Cy Young Awards throughout the career, but you know, right now, obviously coming back from injury, we're just happy he's healthy, competing again, and he was locked in today. So, like I said, it's just great to have a guy like that back. Yeah, he needs to stay healthy, and he just needs to keep ascending. And I don't know if you can ascend much from what he did the other right. night, aside from just giving more innings, which will come with more health. You you already know the, the value of Jack Clarity, but sometimes your value is very apparent when you're not there. And if I'm the Cardinals, I don't want to look at a future without Jack Flaherty on my team. No. And we know what the price tag is going to be. It's going to be high. It's going to be $324 million. It's going to be the Garrett Cole contract. That's the standard that Jack Flaherty hopes to reach. And the Cardinals better be prepared. You know, when that time comes, Adam Wainwright likely won't be with the team. Mm -hmm. And you have guys that could ascend. You, of course, could go out and make other moves, acquire different players. But when I look at the torch that has been passed from Cardinal pitcher to Cardinal pitcher, you know, Wainwright got it from Chris Carpenter and on and on. Wainwright seems primed to pass out to Jack Flaherty. He, he is the next guy in line to be the elite Cardinals pitcher where everything starts and stops with him. And again, I've, we've seen what life is like without him. And if I'm the Cardinals, I want to do everything I can to make sure that he stays here. And by the way, along those lines, we're talking a lot about getting a middle infielder during this offseason. I'm having a lot of those discussions on social media. The Cardinals have the $60 million coming off the books. How do they spend it? It's burning a hole in their pocket. I could very easily see, especially with the way that the collective bargaining agreement uh, is right now because it hasn't come into focus as to whether or not we're going to have one or not. But the Cardinals might hold a little of that cash back with the knowledge that they do have to sign Jack Flaherty. And the deal for Cole, nine years and $324 million. And if you want to go year by year, it's going to be pretty expensive. Uh, let's see. And he's, by the way, uh, Cole has an opt-out. Uh, yeah, $36 million a year for mm-hmm. Garrett Cole. And Jack Flaherty's already made it very clear that he's going to get every dollar that he's earned. <laughs> yeah. He, there's going to be no hometown discount here. No. And market value is market value. That's right. I, I have no problem he with the guy. He deserves it. Yeah. With, with, a, with a guy, if he performs to that level. Exactly. Of, of, and by the way, Cole performed to an historic level the year before he became a free agent. But if you want X amount of dollars and you can get X amount of dollars, then... Go and get it. If if the most important thing for you is that contract, then by all means, take advantage of where you are in your career and what the market bears at that moment. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Michelle and I will talk to Chris Kerber, and I just made the prediction that Vladimir Tarasenko is going to be here. Does that mean he won't? That's next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Craig Berube will play in the Ascension Charity Classic on September 11th. He'll be with Ozzy Smith, and they'll take on, uh, they'll be in teams with at least Tom Watson and Jack Nicholas. Then on September 13th, the Blues for Kids Golf Classic at Bell Reef Country Club, and you can sign up for that at stlouisblues.com. And then training camp starts, and the Blues' first preseason game is on the 25th. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, joins us now on 101 ESPN, as he does every Monday morning. Kerber's great to have you with us. How you doing? Randy, doing great. How are you guys today? Everything's good. The Blues didn't have a real training camp last year. Obviously, didn't have much of a camp before the bubble. How important for this team and their style of play do you think training camp is? I think I think it's really, frankly, very important. As a matter of fact, like I think I think one thing is very clear over the last eighteen months, and that we have not been a good COVID team. Um, some teams were better <laughs> in this situation. Uh, other teams were not. It did not. I think the, some of the personnel changes, some of the injuries, career-ending injuries, and all that, coupled with the fact of COVID, the protocols, and and the fact that you haven't had uh, training camp, as you mentioned, I, I think it definitely impacted this St. Louis Blues squad. Um, you know, over the last, uh, I, I, well, two a season and a half, and so I think some kind of normal uh, uh, training camp, normal feel, is going to be really important as this really very new group kind of uh, regroups. Curve, speaking of COVID, the NHL sent out a memo updating their vaccination requirements to the teams, and it said any person whose job, role, position, or access entails or entitles them to have personnel interactions with club hockey operations personnel are required to be fully vaccinated. So they, they also made sure to mention that the NHL and NHLPA protocols for players haven't been completed yet, but it seems like the NHL is leaving no gray area when it comes to vaccination requirements for anyone that's going to be around players. This is I, this topic to me is such an interesting one, Michelle. Because and, and you're right, and nor should they. I mean, we look. Joe and I want to be able to get on the road where we can, uh, you know, see the games actually and call them instead of doing it off the of TV. We want to keep everybody around there safe. Uh, the fascinating part about this is they're requiring everybody around the players to be vaccinated, but not the players themselves, right? And right. so that, that's something that has to go through the PA. Uh, of course, but and and I believe over eighty percent of the league uh, has has been vaccinated already. But having having said that, one of the things that has also happened here is apparently the the players' association has informed its members, so informed the players, right? That look, if you're not vaccinated, and let's say the the scenario with Canada is very real, all right? Could the, if Canada's travel situation could dictate the national hockey league's role. Like, do they end up with a Canadian division again this year, even though they don't want it because of the fact that if you're not vaccinated, you may not be allowed in Canada or you'd have to quarantine. So let's say a player decides not to get vaccinated. Right. And the blues are going on a road trip to Canada, you know, and hitting the Western Canadian trip. Well, that player may not be able to go. They have told the players that you could expect to not be paid if you can't go because of that reason. So, I, I think there's more of this to come, and, and, and the reality of it is, is if it's going to start to hit pocketbooks and stuff like that, even more guys will be vaccinated. But, you know, the, the vaccination um, process uh, and, and, and everything involved with it is not limited to just uh, St. Louis County's hall and, and meetings and stuff. It's pretty much everywhere. And 
you know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out around the National Hockey League. I think in the end, you're going to see the majority, vast majority of these players and, and get vaccinated. You're already seeing the vast majority of the people around them, uh, the team personnel and stuff uh, already have been vaccinated and been vaccinated for a while. So I, I don't think it's going to be a major issue, but it is something to keep an eye on. Curbs, this is traditionally a time where NHL people are spending time in the cottage in Canada. Not as easy to get to the cottage with COVID and everything going on at the border, but still not much going on in the league. I said to Michelle before the break that I think that Vladimir Tarasenko, when the hockey or when the baseball playoffs start in October, I think Vladimir Tarasenko will be wearing a blues sweater. Your reaction? I think there's a very good chance of that. Um, you know, I don't, we're not hearing much now. I mean, whether it be, if, if you're potentially dealing with something that could involve a Doug Armstrong, a Lou Lamorello, you might be dealing with the two general managers who can think, keep things as quiet as, as anybody in the league. Right. Mm-hmm. Although for me personally, uh, with all the years and issues that the blues have had uh, trades with Lou Lamorello go kind of haywire. Those always make me nervous. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, like, shoot, remember the one? There was one even, uh, oh, shoot, we lost a draft. Everyone's always on the Scott Stevens one, but somewhere like in the mid-2000s, Larry, or early 2000s, Larry Plo, we lost, we lost a draft pick to New Jersey again for something. But It was still the, the Stevens uh, thing. Was, I, the, I know, because, I no, the Blues was, tampered with him the second time. It was after, remember, somebody uh, started talking about uh, how the Blues had signed him beforehand at the, uh, they talked at the Olympics. Before they re-signed him in, 94 when they they had the press yeah. conference with McKinnis and uh, they they re-signed Stevens somebody said oh yeah that deal was done before free agency and one of the blues executives had the contract offer in still had it in his file cabinet so the NHL comes in investigates and the blues had to give up more i think they had to sw- swap one and give one up to new jersey and it was all uh-huh. because it, the Stevens thing wound up being like seven picks and Shanahan hey. Well, here's what Whatever. I do know. I do know the Salvador for Jansen trade was a clean one. Yeah, it was. All right. right. So that yeah. was, that was, we knew that one was a clean one. But, yeah, you know what? I, I Back to the original point. I unless the, So they still had to figure out the Robert Thomas situation. Okay? And this is one of the challenges where if, if you've got an agency and, and he's represented by the Newport agency and, and they, they're kind of like a – Kind of like Scott Boris in a sense that they, they'll they'll wait till deadlines, right, and and wait for deadline pressure to to be involved. All right. Well, you know, sometimes in a cap era, there just may not be a let enough left in the pot. You know, and and I don't necessarily see Doug Armstrong just deciding. And because look, if you had to eat some of Tarasenko's contract this year, you could you could probably stomach that. But it's this year and next year, and that's really where the problem is, right? So if Vladimir Tarasenko comes in, proves that he's healthy, proves he can score and still wants out, and they can't mend the fence. I still always believe that fences can be mended, but if they can't, then you know, then, then at least he's healthy, and maybe you have a different market for him. So I really do wonder if this is one where uh, a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko has to reset the market for himself if he wants out, because unless, you know, if, if, if somehow Doug Armstrong is able to get Robert Thomas under contract, right, and find a way to get this all done, underneath the salary cap while still holding on to Vladimir Tarasenko, you're in a much, much better spot. And I think that scenario is still playing out. 
Curbs, no movement on the Vladdy front, but there are deals still happening in the NHL. Joe Thornton signed a one-year deal with the Florida Panthers. He's going to earn $750,000. There's no bonuses, no incentives, but he's 42 years old. This is the 24th season of his career. He said his body feels good, his mind feels good, and he's ready to go. What do you think about that move? I, You know what? I, he, He's such a good guy, such a good locker room guy. This is the kind of one where you, he's still chasing that Stanley Cup. 23 years in the league, what, 1,600 games played, over 1,500 points. I still think the cool, one of the coolest things from from NHL drafting standpoint is the fact that Thornton was taken number one and Patrick Marlowe was taken number two, yeah. right, in, in that same draft. And then they ended up playing all those years together in San Jose and then Marlowe last year, you know, setting the all-time games played mark. But I, I, I start to think about this. I wonder if a player like Joe Thornton, and there's no guarantee, obviously, but I wonder if he would have won a Stanley Cup with another team already had there not been a salary cap. So a team that says, hey, you know mm-hmm. what? We don't have to worry about a salary cap, but Joe Thornton could be one heck of a piece for us. You know, maybe he was traded out of San Jose earlier and, and things like that. So I, I do tend to wonder with a guy like Joe Thornton if the salary cap era might have helped prohibit him from winning the Stanley Cup as much as anything. Yeah, good point. You just can't. You don't see those trades anymore because of that, right? Like, well, this guy could really help them. Yeah, but there's no way they're going to fit that extra two million under the cap. Curbs. One other thing along those lines. As a Blues fan, the Blues broadcaster, and somebody wants to see the Blues win another Stanley Cup. How does Zdeno Chara sound for you on the Blues blue line? <laughs> I'd, I'd take Big Z any day of the week. I, I do. I, I, I'd love, I'd love to see it uh, just again, because of the individual that he is. And, and I still think that, that he can play the, the challenge that the blues have right now is I think if you really look at the depth situation and, and a lot depends too on the Robert Thomas situation and whether he's playing in your top six or not. Right. But you're, you're looking at potentially if the Olympics happen and that's the schedule that is out there, right. You're looking at a very tight schedule and Injuries, I think, are going to be a factor like they are every year. But when you're playing essentially every other day, it gets hard. You're you're only like say two nicks on the forward side from delving into potential AHL depth, not really NHL ready depth. And the same thing with the defense. You know, one or two injuries away from you know, say a Scott Perunovich instead of seasoning his team, having to step in and be impacted. So, you know, if you look at Doug Armstrong's history if there's a way to get things under the cap as those other scenarios we've already talked about play out, I still think that he would like to at some point in time, and it, 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 it could be tryouts, you know, once the season begins, but at some point in time, I, I would suspect that he'd be a lot more comfortable with a little more NHL ready depth and big Z would be pretty cool. And I think I told you this story guys, when he was in the minor leagues, he was playing for the Lowell lock monsters, right? Yeah. They were affiliated with the, with the New York Islanders. And I'm standing at the end of the rink. Um, Dan Bilesma actually had just, uh, he, he'd been signed, I think, by Phoenix, I, I, I think it was, and was playing some games for us. His dad was down there, and Dan had just written his book about his time in hockey. And I'm talking with him, with his dad down at the end of the rink, and you hear this, you hear this clink, clink, clink coming around the corner. And there the players came in through the Zamboni entrance. Guy turns around starts to walk as he takes his skate guards off. He gets onto the ice. And I mean, again, this is like a, this is like an 18 year old Zidane Ochoa, right? <laughs> and, and, he, and as he crunches the ice, you hear this crunch, scratch, scrunch. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad looks at me, he goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, 
uh, be a hockey player. And uh, <laughs> boy, what, a, player. What, what an amazing career he was. Hey, he has had just been a fantastic. Phenomenal. Curbs, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Have an awesome week, you two. Thanks. You that is our friend, the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a Monday edition of The Fight here with Carriker and Smallman. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Randy Carriker just walked in the studio. We need to make sure he is out of here before we start the fight. Because that's what we're doing right now. It's 837. That time check brought to you by Clerks and Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So making sure Randy is clear, he is out in the hallway. Let's welcome in his competition today, which is Tom. What's up, Tom? How was your weekend? It was fine, and it's my 49th birthday today, so it's a good good day. Well, happy birthday, Tom. Happy 49th birthday. Let's hope that you get a great gift, which is a victory versus Randy Carricker. Yep, I was the first one to beat him a year and a half ago. You very first person on the show to beat him? Yep. Wow, okay. So let's see if you can extend that streak then. Well, happy birthday and good luck to you. Thank you. All right, question number one, Tom. Saturday marked the 17-year anniversary of Michael Phelps' first Olympic gold medal. What city hosted that year's Olympics? Was it Athens, Greece, Sydney, Australia, or Beijing, China? Uh, Sydney, Australia. Happy birthday to Giovanni Gallegos, who turned 30 on Saturday. Gallegos made his MLB debut on May 12, 2017 for which team? The St. Louis Cardinals the New York Yankees, or the Seattle Mariners? Yankees. Okay. Over the weekend, Trey Lance threw an 80-yard pass in his preseason debut. The 49ers haven't had an 80-yard pass touchdown in the regular season since December 2018. Who threw that pass? Was it Nick Mullins, Jimmy Garoppolo, or C.J. Beathard? Uh, So C.J. Beathard. And Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter for the D-backs in his first career start on Saturday night, becoming the fourth player in history to accomplish this. Who was the most recent? Was it Bobo Holloman, Bumpus Jones, or Ted Bradenstein? Uh, uh, let's go with B. <laughs> Bumpus Jones? Yeah. <laughs> These are all real names, I promise. <laughs> Checking your score. I mean... God, come on in. Where I don't know where he is. He's coming in. But Bobo and Bumpus. Is Bumpus his government name? I can I can do some research. Yeah, well, you get some research on that because that is... <laughs> I mean, you're growing up. You're like, Mom and Dad, really? All right, Randy. I've never heard of them people. <laughs> say what's up to Tom. It's his birthday today. His 49th birthday. Happy birthday, Tom. How you doing? Fine. Thank you, sir. It's always good to talk to a fellow Leo. Michelle and I both enjoy speaking to fellow Leos. That's right. Randy Carriker also with a birthday this week. Yeah. Okay, Randy, ready? Ready. Saturday marked the 17-year anniversary of Michael Phelps' first Olympic gold medal. Mm -hmm. What city hosted that year's Olympics? So 17 years ago from 21, so we would have been 04? 04 was Athens. So 14, that would be 17 years ago. So I'm going to go with Athens, Greece, Michelle. 
happy birthday to Giovanni Gallegos, who turned 30 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Gallegos made his MLB debut on May 12, 2017, for which team? The uh, New York Yankees. Over the weekend, Trey Lance threw an 80-yard touchdown pass in his preseason debut. The 49ers haven't had an 80-yard pass touchdown in the regular season since December 2018. Who threw that pass? December of 2018. So that would have been their Super Bowl year, right? Yes, because no. Um, 19 Was 19 their Super Bowl year? Yeah, 19 was their Super Bowl year. So December of 2018, I think I'm going to go. It's it's going to be either Mullins or Bethard, right? Because Jimmy G was hurt. I am going to say that it was C.J. Bethard. And Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter for the D-backs in his first career start on Saturday night, mm-hmm. becoming the fourth player in history to accomplish this. How about that? Who was the most recent? Most recent uh, was for your St. Louis Browns in 1953. Gentleman by the name of Bobo Holloman. <laughs> you didn't think that Bobo was a real thing, did you, Michelle? Is that his government name? I believe so. Yeah, that's on his license. His parent, his, it was Bobo. his given name is Bobo. Bobo, Bobo was not. I know that. Okay. Bumpus was also Okay, not. hold on. Yeah. All right, Emily, ring the bell. Ring the bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. That's also a psych because Randy did not get all four correct. He did not get the oh, jack. That shoot. was a, a slip of the keyboard. My bad. Sorry. Sorry, Randy. But you did beat Tom. You beat him three to one. So Michael Phelps' first Olympic gold medal was in the 2004 Summer Olympics that were hosted in Athens, Greece. Giovanni Gallegos, happy birthday to him, who turned 30 on Saturday. My birthday was on Friday. Randy's is on Thursday, I believe, right? Thurs- Correct. Thursday's your birthday. So we need to get with Gigi and have a party next year. Yes, we do. Celebrate all of our birthdays. Anyway, he made his Major League debut on May 12th, 2017 for the New York Yankees. The last time prior to this weekend, after Trey Lance threw an 80-yard touchdown, that the 49ers had that feat done in the regular season was December 2018. It was not C.J. Beathard. It was Nick Mullins. Oh, December, it was a flip. December 9th versus the Broncos. It was an 85-yard pass to George Kittle. And Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter for the Diamondbacks in his first career start Saturday night. He was the fourth player in history to accomplish that. The most recent was, in fact, Bobo Holloman for your St. Louis Browns, May 6, 1953. Tom, thank you so much for playing and have a happy birthday. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. So, Randy, the options were Bobo Holloman, mm-hmm. Bumpus Jones, <laughs> or Ted Breitenstein. And I asked Emily if Bumpus was, in fact, his government name, if that was his given name, if his parents saw him and said, you know what, that's Bumpus. That's Bumpus. Yeah, that's and old Bumpus right there. <laughs> he, he was named Bumpus in baseball. But was that his given name? Do we know officially? His name was Charles Leander Jones. I can't find... His Wikipedia doesn't say where he got the name Bumpus. But I can't imagine that as a baby, it comes out Precious Angel. That's Bumpus. Yeah, right. Not great. And Bobo, same thing. Nickname, right? Has to be a nickname. It is a nickname. His name is Alva? Alva. Alva. Okay, now I get Bobo. Alva Lee. (laughs) Alva Lee, old Bobo. (laughs) What would you rather have as a nickname, Bumpus or Bobo? uh, I'd rather have Bobo. Bobo's the clown. Bobo the clown. Yeah. I think I'd rather have Bumpus. Hey, hey Bump. How you doing? 
Hey, good news for the Ascension Charity Classic coming up next month at Norwood Hills Country Club. Davis Love III has committed, so he'll be playing here in St. Louis. And Shannon Miller is going to be playing in the Pro-Am, the Olympian, of course, from St. Louis. And uh, she's the Olympic gymnast, and she's going to be here playing in the Pro-Am. So the Ascension Charity Classic building and doing great things every single day. Next up with Carriker and Smallman, we've got some NFL news and notes for you. Stick around. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. NFL news and notes, four downs with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Michelle will get things started with. Wait for it. It's coming. Should we do it? It's after, after fourth down. <laughs> First down. First down. <laughs> that was a pretty good by us. I think we've got to start with our Midwestern brothers and sisters to the north. And let's start with the Chicago Bears because oh, yeah. it feels like everyone I talked to over the weekend wanted to talk about one thing and one thing only. And that's Justin Fields, who made his preseason debut for the Bears. And he really brought some life back to Chicago Bears fans and back to Soldier Field. Yes, Andy Dalton was already anointed QB1, but people in Chicago are saying, no, no, this is Justin Fields' team, and it's Justin Fields' time. He went 14 of 20, 142 yards. He had a touchdown, 33 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. He looked electric. He looked great. Of course, there were some mishaps. You know, it's a rookie quarterback, but... All in all, he looked really strong, and you would think for a rookie quarterback in his first preseason game, they always talk about the speed of the game, how the speed of the NFL is completely different from that of college or of that of training camp. Justin Fields, was the speed too much for you? It was actually kind of slow to me, to be honest. Uh, You know, I think, you know, I I was expecting it to be a little bit faster, but, you know, practicing, you know, game speed, going at it with my teammates every day, and, of course, you know, we have a great defense, so... Uh, me going against them every day, um, it, it definitely slowed, slowed the game up a, a little bit for me. So, um, I mean, I, I felt comfortable out there, and um, I just, you know, I, of course I have room to grow, so I'm just going to try to get better each and every day. Perfect answer, no. He mm-hmm. gives a nod to his defense. He says that he felt comfortable, that the game was slowed down for him, but that he still wants to get better every day. And he looked really strong, Randy. He had commanded the pocket. He looked great when he was on the run, when he was scrambling. And Chicago Bears fans feel like, even though it was one preseason game, that they want to believe in Justin Fields. And we have seen quarterbacks in their first preseason start that haven't looked like the game is slow for them. And it did look like the game slowed down for him. So, Hopefully that's going to wind up being the case and that uh, for Bears fans, he'll wind up being the real deal. Second down. Michelle, it was not a great Super Bowl last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Fisher, their offensive tackle, was hurt. He was out of the game. They were missing their left guard. They were missing their center. They were missing their right guard, and they were missing their right tackle. They were down five guys. So Some they important have, guys, too. Yeah, they have completely overhauled their offensive line. And on Saturday night in their opener, Orlando Brown and Joe Thune and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Lucas Niang all played and 
Andy Reid and his staff made it a point to have those guys playing together. By the way, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith on the right side are both rookies. Lucas Niang essentially, as he was drafted in the third round two years ago, but opted out last year. So they essentially have a right side of their offensive line in Kansas City, a Super Bowl contender that is rookies, and they played really, really well. And then you have the newcomer veterans on the left side, Brown and Thune, and the Chiefs are very enthusiastic about this offensive line. And then the depth that they have, a guy that has played center in a Super Bowl, Austin Blythe, came over from the Rams. He's a backup. Kyle Long, Chris Long's brother, mm-hmm. has played right tackle. He's played guard at a Pro Bowl level in the NFL. He's also one of their backups. So it looks like what was the worst part of the Kansas City team, not only their offense, but their whole team last year in the Super Bowl, has become, aside from Patrick Mahomes, perhaps their best. Well, protect that half-billion-dollar baby you that's have. That's a pretty good idea. You need to make sure that you sure up that offensive line. Um, but, yeah, that's... That's scary if the Chiefs had something that was a, a glaring problem for them that they've all of a sudden mended. That's scary for the rest yeah. of the NFL. No? Really scary. Third down. Okay, Randy, let's talk about another quarterback debut. We want to talk about Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers. A lot of people very surprised that the 49ers ended up taking Trey Lance. All the, the pre-draft scuttlebutt was about Mac Jones poten- potentially going there. But it was Trey Lance. He was the pick. And there's been talk about a legitimate quarterback competition between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. So there was a little bit of issues with Trey Lance. He he took a couple sacks. He threw some passes that were almost interceptions. He missed some throws. But no one's talking about that today. This is preseason football. Everyone is drunk on possibility. So everyone is talking about that unbelievable defense pass from Trey Lance. It was an 80-yard touchdown. It was only on a second pass attempt, and everyone's looking at this pass and saying, this is what Trey Lance can offer you that Jimmy Garoppolo might not be able to. So if it is a quarterback competition, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, where does Trey Lance have the edge? You saw the deep ball, and that's what they like, and that's what Lance has had as a separator in his back pocket. I'm told he's thrown that deep ball well all camp, probably better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo is still clearly the favorite right now. He's had a pretty good camp, and they want to bring Lance along according to their plan, but you didn't see him run much last night. That's probably because they didn't want to get him hurt, but in camp, they've had a lot of design runs for him. They've worked on his footwork as a passer. Now they're implementing him in sort of the total overall offense, and they want to maybe use him in some packages running the ball during the season. So uneven start, but you saw the deep ball. That's good for him. I'm intrigued by Trey Lance. He's a big guy, 6'4", 224, obviously has the great arm. But, Michelle, this is a guy that played at North Dakota State, and they didn't play last year because of the pandemic. The guy hasn't played quarterback in a calendar, more than a calendar year, a year and a half. I think they have to be really careful about bringing him along too fast. North Dakota State, that defense is not what the defense is that they'll see at North Dakota State from South Dakota State. And we love the Valley, but they're based here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Those defenses really aren't going to bring what Aaron Donald brings when the Niners take on the Rams a couple of times. So I want to be very careful with Trey Lance before I get him into game action. And Jimmy G, as we've mentioned here before, when he's been healthy, he's played. The only time he's played 16 games, he took his team to the Super Bowl. He Only one player had more touchdown passes than Trey Lance two years ago, and only one team scored more points than the 49ers did when he was their quarterback two years ago. The problem with Jimmy G and the reason that the Niners traded up to get Trey Lance is because Jimmy G's hurt all the time. So what do you think, week six we see Trey Lance? Or uh, whenever <laughs> Jimmy G gets hurt. So week six, maybe? Yeah, probably. Or if or if not earlier. Uh, speaking of Aaron Donald and 
young quarterbacks getting a wake-up call from him. If we talked about Justin Fields with our first down, they play the Rams next week. The Bears do. I, I don't know if he's going to be saying the game is so slow, Justin Fields, yeah, right. with, with Aaron Donald running at him. It's a little different yeah. when you have Aaron Donald coming at you. If I were the Bears, I would still start Andy Dalton, let him get punished in that first game until that he gets hurt, game, yeah. and then let Fields run around back there. That's the first thing I thought of was, ooh, you have the Rams first? Yeah, y- yikes. Aaron Donald's coming at you, and he thinks that you think that the, the game is slow? Yeah. Mm-mm. So worst no. situation being Justin Fields starting against Aaron Donald and the Rams defense or being the guy in the Aaron Donald jersey in the end zone seats at SoFi Stadium? Wait, say that one more time. You're Justin Fields okay. facing the real Aaron Donald Correct. in a game. Correct. In your first NFL game. Or you're the guy in the end zone seats wearing the Aaron Donald jersey that got pummeled by like seven guys. Who would I rather be? Yeah. Well, only one of those guys, any of the guys in either equation has been able to battle knives. And that's the Mm. real Aaron Donald. True. That man is an actual weapon. He could kill you. So I would want to be any any other person yeah. in any other scenario other than the person that has Aaron Donald running at them. The guy that got pummeled in the game in the stands the other night in L.A., it looked like a Three Stooges skit the way they were hitting on him. So I, I would rather be that guy, too. Yeah, for sure. Fourth down. I'd rather have 12v1 than have the real Aaron Donald oh, running at yeah, me. yeah, me too. Michelle, an interesting story coming out of the Indianapolis training camp. Of course, Doug Peterson was the head coach when Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator there, and Carson Wentz was their starting quarterback. Well, Peterson and Wentz have a major falling out last year. Peterson gets fired. Wentz winds up uh, in Indianapolis. And Doug Peterson goes to visit Frank Reich at training camp, and he said, I really wanted to go to Indianapolis to see Frank especially, but I knew Carson was there, of course, and I wanted to see him too. Carson and I were together for five years. We accomplished so much together. I wanted to run into Carson. I wanted to hug his neck and wish him well, and I think the feeling was mutual with him. He said, we did that on Thursday. It was very positive, something I really wanted to do. It was natural. It was real. I saw him and hugged him. Carson and I always had a great relationship, and I have great regard for him, and I didn't want what happened at the end to tarnish that. He moved on. I moved on. And let's be men about it. So Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz have hugged it out. Nothing a quick bro hug can't solve. I mean, they did come from the city of brotherly love. Right. But the neck hug is a little strange to me. Just the coach, you know, just. Oh, just like a little headlock deal? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, did you say noogie? I thought it was noogie. Top of the head, yeah. I thought it was noogie, but it's noogie? Noogie, noogie, whatever. 65780 for the proper pronunciation of noogie or noogie. Yeah, you're going noogie, noogie. Anyway. Normally, if I'm thinking that we're actually going to squash a beef and hug it out, we're going torso to torso, okay? Give me the real Which deal. they ultimately did. Bring it in here, yeah. sister. Like, let's let's hash this out. I'm not giving you the, the old neck hug. Well, but he, he just started with the, the fatherly coaching neck hug, Noogie, and then they, they did a big hug, yeah. Well, so, I'm glad. But they got both. It seems like Howie Roseman got out of the equation, and they were able to squash the, <laughs> the beef that they are, yeah, the they, alleged beef. Yeah, that's not going to happen with Howie or Jeff Lurie. It doesn't seem so. No. But I also think Frank Reich probably was a very good intermediary between yeah. Peterson and Wentz. He's the connecting factor here. And I, I imagine that there were some good times between the two of them in Philly, and you have to lean on the good times. And by the way, Doug Peterson says he does want to coach again in the NFL next year. Four downs on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Michelle and Randy will go to the Brown, Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Brewers broadcaster Jeff Levering next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals will take on the Brewers this week, a three-game series that starts tomorrow night at the ballpark. The David Freeze bobblehead, the, the Bud Bash will take place. And it'll be great to see the Brewers after three months of not playing against them. Jeff Levering, Brewers broadcaster, joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Jeff, it's always good to talk to you. How are you, sir? Hey, doing fine, thanks. Nice to be back in St. Louis for the first time in a couple of years. Good for you. Uh, glad, good to have you here. Yeah, welcome back, Jeff. We're glad to have you. Well, the the Cardinals have gone on a bit of a run here, and if they want to make the wild card in the postseason, it's going to have to be by going through the Brewers. So Randy and I were talking earlier. When you look at the, this Brewers team, if there were to be a vulnerability or a weakness that the Cardinals or any other team could exploit, what is it? That's a great question. I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out right now, too. And I I really do believe that um, it's health and and moving down the stretch here because of everybody and uh, what happened last year in the short season with the 60 games and and the innings and what the pitchers have gone through over the course of this season. Having not done that over the last couple of years and you're starting to get into career high territories and some of the Brewers starting pitchers. Um, I I think that that's kind of the, the one thing that you look at and uh, you try and you try and navigate through the Brewers have done a really nice job this season of of really protecting their starting pitching. They've only gone the, the guys like Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Brandon Woodruff. They've only gone on four days rest, only a couple of times this season. They, the Brewers have used a six man rotation for much of the season to try and limit the innings. Um, so I, I do think that that's kind of the one vulnerable spot. That if the Brewers don't stay healthy, and if something happens. Um, to, to some of those big three guys uh, in the pitching rotation, that's where they could be a little bit susceptible. Jeff, it, it used to be that the Cardinals earned tons of respect from every other team in the National League Central, and the, the Cardinals kind of owned the division, and, and sometimes teams, for example, Brian Price came in here a couple of years ago with the Reds and said, our team does not expect to win in St. Louis. I have to believe that with the success of the Brewers this year, and especially with that starting pitching that you mentioned, there is no fear of the Cardinals. There's no concern about playing the Cardinals now. Uh, I don't know if it's just the Cardinals. It's, I think they have no fear playing anybody, um, to be honest with you. I think they, they just have a real good confidence. And for the core of this team that's gone to the playoffs for three consecutive seasons, no Brewers team has ever done that in the franchise's history, and it's 51 years now. Most of the core guys are still here, so they know how to win. and they, they've, They respect their opponents, but they, they respect themselves, too. And they, they don't back down to anybody. And, um, and, yeah, there's a great tradition here in St. Louis, and, and they've had some great teams here, World Series victories, uh, World Series runs. Uh, but at the same time, the, the Brewers have earned their right to be a really good team. And, and they're playing very good baseball. They have the best road record in Major League Baseball right now. And Craig Council was talking about that yesterday because, you know, it's, it's just fun with numbers. Maybe a couple of years ago, the Brewers, they couldn't win during day games. And now they win during day games. They had a tough time winning on the road. And now they're doing nothing but win on the road. Uh, it's just one of those things that, that this team can can figure it out. And, and they, they should be the ones earning a bunch of respect within the division right now because they're running as good as anybody in Major League Baseball. Well, a, a Cardinal that went to the Brewers, of course, is Colton Wong. We always like to keep up with former Cardinals here in St. Louis. What's been the impression in Milwaukee of Colton Wong so far in his first season with the Brewers? 
I mean, they've known about Colton just because they've he's hit a bunch of home runs against the Brewers in the past. Um, as a member of the Cardinals, and I think everybody loves Colton Wong. He plays great defense, and um, he, he's actually starting to show a little bit of flair and personality, and, and I don't know if it took coming out of St. Louis to do that, but he shows up. He's got the bright yellow spikes. He's got the, the armbands. He's got the headbands going on. Um, he, he plays with a lot of flair, and, and he's having a lot of fun, and I think the, the folks in, in St. Louis certainly appreciated Colton's time as this is going to be kind of a second return for Colton now that capacity's at 100% in St. Louis. So it'll be fun for Colton to come back too. But I think everybody in Milwaukee is really appreciating Colton Wong. They haven't had a, a second baseman play this type of defense uh, in a really, really, really long time. Probably got to go back to Jim Gantner days where the Brewers have had a second baseman that's as good defensively as Colton Wong. So they, they really do appreciate him. Brewers broadcaster Jeff Levering with us on 101 ESPN. Jeff, it's remarkable the job that David Stearns has done in improving this team during the year. And yesterday, Colton Wong leads off, as he has all year, but a first-year Brewer. And then Adamas and Escobar, who came during the season, are hitting second and third for an offense that had some concerns early on but appears to be finding its way. Yeah, and there's no doubt. And, and you could go back to the trade of Willie Adamas, and it's it's crazy. You mentioned as you were bringing me on the air that the Brewers are facing the Cardinals for the first time since the middle of May. The Cardinals haven't seen the Brewers with Willie Adamas on the mm-hmm. team. But that's how that's that's the wild part to me. Um, and the, now these two teams are going to play 13 times over the next 40 games. Uh, so they're going to get to know each other quite well over the next uh, six weeks of the season. But you could go back to the trade of Willie Adamas back on May 22nd. That's when everything flipped for the Brewers. Um, they, they got their their personality. They got their energy. Um, a guy who's been an MVP type of player for the Brewers. And um, that's the trade that – and I know there were a bunch of trades made at the deadline that made a lot of splashes. Um, but that's the trade that I think changed everything for this organization. It gave – it gave the depth to the lineup. Everybody could kind of relax a little bit. The shortstop position was was fine defensively. Willie Adams is a great shortstop, um, and it just it allowed everybody to let their hair down a little bit and take a breath. And now that there's so much depth in that lineup, back in the first six weeks of the season, if you looked at the Brewers lineup, you said, well, if they don't get some guys on base, if they don't score runs in the first four or five batters, then you're going a couple of innings without scoring runs. So now there's no holes in that lineup. You can you can go one through eight, and and you could get production out of every spot. Uh, and that's because of the additions that David Stearns and Matt Arnold have made. Uh, it's it's a, a very formidable lineup made up of of a bunch of pieces that maybe aren't household names, uh, but they certainly are productive. And it certainly helps when you have a three-headed monster in your rotation and Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. All three of these guys have been dominant, all three in the Cy Young conversation. But when you look at them, Jeff, which one do you think has the edge when it comes to potentially winning a Cy Young? Oh, man, I, any of them could. And <laughs> and the Cardinals are going to see all three of them in this series, too. So you're all going to see them, too. Uh, they're special. They're all special. I think Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns both have stuff that, that are no-hit stuff each and every time they come out to the mound. And then Brandon Woodruff's going to blow you away with fastballs that are 97 and 99. Um, any of them could win the Cy Young. They are all in the top five in earned run average in the National League. They're all in the top six, I believe, in strikeouts in the National League. Um, they're, they're just so fun to watch, and they're really coming into their own. They're all homegrown guys out of the organization. 
Um, and they've just been masterful all season long on the mound. You, you just kind of hold your breath when they take the mound because you just don't know what kind of special outing that they might have in them. And I'm shocked. I don't know if I've ever seen this, but Peralta one, Woodruff two, Burns three in OPS against in all the baseball, not just in the National League. That's pretty telling about uh, how they uh, just suppress the opposition. Teams can't get extra base hits against them, can't slug, can't get on base. You can't do anything against those big three. Yeah, it's a tough weekend. There's no doubt about that. Um, if you're an offense and you see and you and you look at the pitching probables, you go, "Oh my gosh, we got Peralta. Oh, that's yeah, okay. All right, we give him one. Oh, we got Burns. Oh my gosh. All right, and then Woodruff. No, there's no break. There is no break in the pitching rotation. How do you feel the the Brewers stack up? You mentioned that they aren't afraid of anybody, but I look around, Jeff, and. and I look at the Dodgers and the Giants. I think the Brewers stack up well with them. I look at anybody from the NL East. I think the Dodger, the Brewers st- stack up well with them. Uh, I really, if I had to pick a favorite in the National League right now to play in the World Series, I would go with the Brewers. How do you feel about that? Well, it, it's, it's all about pitching and defense in the playoffs. And uh, because of the big three that the Brewers have that you could run out in a series, and, and even if you needed to get a start or cobble an appearance together, you could cobble – Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer together to get you through a, a fourth game potentially. And the bullpen is as good as, as anybody's in major league baseball too. I, I feel very confident in that. And, you know, the Brewers just played the giants um, the last weekend, two weekends ago now, since we've been on the road forever feels like, um, but the giants took two of three from the Brewers and the Brewers are a catch away from potentially sweeping that series. And they were down six guys in their bullpen because they were on the COVID list, um, including their closer, Josh Hader. So, you know, they were down a bunch and still had an opportunity to win that series um, and sweep that series. But unfortunately it didn't happen. Giants went two out of three, a couple of base hits late. They're a really good team. Uh, but even down a few, I, I feel very confident that the, the Brewers can stack them up with anybody. They took three or four against the Dodgers team in April. And again, both of these teams are very different than uh, than they were then. And that's who the Brewers finished their season with. How about that last road trip for the Brewers? They go to St. Louis and then to L.A. to finish the year. Oh, man. There's going to be a lot of playoff implications in that one. Hey, Jeff, before we let you go, Michelle has a great new pizza place on the hill for you uh, on your day off here in St. Louis. Michelle? Yes, you should check out this place, Pizzeria de Gloria. They have great Italian-style pizza there, and it's, it's a very fun patio. I highly recommend it. Pizzeria de Gloria. That's it. Okay. All right. All right. I, I might take you up on that. I appreciate that. I'm looking for new stuff to try here in St. Louis. It's been a few years. Yeah, Jeff, we got a tip for you. Thank you very much for taking the time with us. Enjoy your time here in St. Louis, and hopefully we'll see you over at the ballpark. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Take care. That is Jeff Levering, Brewers broadcaster here on 101 ESPN. That makes me very nervous <laughs> for the next three games for the Cardinals. Yeah, they're uh, facing their big three. The facing the big, you know, we we said uh, iron sharpens iron, and the Cardinals are going to need to beat some good teams if they're actually going to be a playoff contender. But uh, talk about a baptism by fire. You're feeling good. You're you're coming off this incredible stretch of games. Jack Flaherty is back. The offense is clicking. Oh, and by the way, you have to face the Brewers' big three. Good luck. However, that being said, Michelle. You have Wayno going tomorrow. You feel pretty good about that, right? Of course, always, yes. And then on Wednesday night, the Cardinals will send Flaherty back to the mound, I believe. Do, do they not? Oh, let me double check here. I know that they see Flaherty. Yeah, it's Peralta against Flaherty on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, the uh, 
Brewers will send Woodruff, and we've got Undecided going. Oh, love Undecided. But let's see. Uh, Lester went Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I'm thinking we have Lester going on Thursday. So I'll take my chances. Yeah. All, all you can do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Coming up, the Cardinals <laughs> have won eight of nine, and they did something that only one other Cardinal team has done. We'll tell you about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman, 101 ESPN. And if you have a good quality dad joke. Now we're talking high quality. This has to be a high quality dad joke. Like the best dad joke we've ever heard. Just text those two words, dad joke, into 65780, and we might have a a surprise for you. We might give you something cool. And don't text in if it's a joke we've heard before. Yeah, if it's a a low quality or used dad joke, we don't want it. It's National Joke Day, Michelle. Do you have one for me? Uh, I could give you a couple, I guess. (laughs) Would you like that? Yeah. Okay. Uh... My wife found out I was cheating on her. She's oh. found all the letters I was hiding. She's mad and she's never playing Scrabble with me again. It's pretty good. Thanks. The dad joke. <laughs> I'll have more later. But we need to hear dad joke to 101ESPN.com or to uh, 65780. I wasn't expecting an infidelity Scrabble hybrid. It's pretty funny. Yeah, that took, took me by surprise. Uh, how about those Cardinals going... <laughs> 6-0 and on the road trip, 3-0 and in Pittsburgh, 3-0 and in Kansas City. And Michelle, only one Cardinal team in 2017 has had a road trip of 6 or more and 0. Oh, Mike Schilt, does that surprise you? Um, yes, it does. Um, Toons told me that right before we started, and I was like, that's, that's it's a heck of an accomplishment. And it was surprising, for sure, with the, with the storied history of this organization and the, the – I mean, this team's played a long time with some amazing, amazing baseball teams of the best in the history of our game. It's quite an accomplishment for this team. It speaks well to this team. And I've been saying how this team competes, and they got after it and had a great series. And now we uh, keep the momentum, bring it home, and get ready for Milwaukee. Ten years from now, when you're doing a fight question, and this inevitably comes up, mm-hmm. and you're trying to deduce which Cardinals team it was, you probably wouldn't guess the 2020-2021 Cardinals. No. Who started the trip under 500 <laughs> That's right. and finished its five games over. So now the Cardinals come home. Day off today, a chance to rest and regroup a little bit before they take on the Brewers for Nolan Arenado. The first time in three months. Well, it's going to be a battle. Um, they're obviously in first place. They're playing great baseball. Um, they're, they're doing little things right, and obviously they're pitching great. So it's going to be a battle. But uh, we're playing good baseball, and we're confident in who we have and what we can do. And, uh, you know, we're excited for that series. Who do you think steps up? Who is, if the Cardinals are going to win this series, two games to one or three games to nil, they extend the winning streak to... I like to, that positivity. Uh, yeah, extend the winning streak to nine. Who is the hero for the Cardinals? Can it be the guy we just heard from, it Nolan Arnato? Yes. I don't know if Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt are in contention since they're already so hot. Um, can it be Adam Wainwright, who has been the stopper and, and the starter for this Cardinals team? Could how how many times? Tone. He could set the tone. But I think for it to, I think it has to be a surprise person because do you think, okay, let me rephrase this. Do you think this Cardinals team now that we saw these past two series, if they continue playing like this, 
without someone else stepping up that they could beat the Brewers or potentially sweep the Brewers, as you just hypothesized. No. It has to be someone else, right? right? So who do you think that surprise person is? The guy who didn't play, Dylan Carlson. I agree. I was going to say it has to be someone from the outfield, and I think Dylan Carlson is the guy as well. Yeah, left-handed hitter against those right-handers. Now, they're nasty. I don't know how you hit them. What the Cardinals are going to have to do is find a way to manufacture runs. They're going to need to allow zero or one runs, and they're going to have to find a way to manufacture some runs. And if this is a series where you're lucky enough to get a walk against Corbin Burns tomorrow, and you are Dylan Carlson, you challenge them, and you play aggressively against them. And if you get thrown out, so be it. But you aren't going to be able to string three hits together against these guys. So if you get a runner on base, you make them make a play defensively. I'm thinking maybe tomorrow night, one nothing victory Cardinals on a Paul Goldschmidt home run. I like that idea. I, okay. I'm with you. I think that your opportunities, obviously, when you're going against the three-headed monster that the Brewers have to score runs are going to be limited. And so I, even though I think you're going to need somebody else to step up mm-hmm. in order for you to string a couple wins together, I could see a game where Goldie pops one, and that's your game. one nothing Cardinals. And that would maintain the Cardinals' recent success. And here they are, only four and a half behind in the wild card race, only one team between the Cardinals and the Padres, and that's the Cincinnati Reds, who the Cardinals trail by one in the loss side, only two behind San Diego on the loss side. So, Nolan Arenado, you think the Cardinals have a chance? Yeah, you know, um, I know this organization is uh, it's, it's always going to be in it, and this is why, you know, I'm here, because um, we're in it, and uh, we have a chance. So, just got to continue to fight. Um, we're, we're playing great baseball right now, and we just got to continue to do that. But, uh, Absolutely, that's why I'm here, and uh, I just want to continue to contribute. You know, that's why I'm here is to contribute to this this great team. Great team. The past few series, they have looked like yeah. a great team. Yep. So hopefully, they can get it going tomorrow night, and it's David Freeze butt bash night. He'll throw out the first pitch, and people that have that uh, promotional theme ticket will get the David Freeze bobblehead, too. You cannot lose on David Freeze bobblehead You cannot, night. no. When David Freeze is throwing out the first pitch, you have to win the game. Somebody hits a home run in the bottom of the 11th to win it? Down to their last strike twice? That'd be good. Has to happen. I'd like it. Michelle, did you hear the one about the two guys who walked into a bar? <laughs> no. Third guy ducked. Classic, classic. Mm. That that one's always a classic. Why are elevator jokes so good? Mm. Because they work on many levels. Mm. I was going to go with something with a shaft, but that one's better. Mm-hmm. And now I don't isolate that as a draft. What do you pa- what do you call a pudgy psychic? Overweight. A pudgy psychic. Um. Uh. A, I don't pu- know a psychic, me. a pudgy psychic, a, a fortune teller, a fortune teller. That one's good. That one's good. I was thinking something with overweight, but you got me there. Okay. Uh, coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 
It's a Monday edition of... You're killing me, Smalls. Let's talk a little Green Bay Packers, shall we? We've yes. talked so much about the Aaron Rodgers drama that it's it was Jordan Love time over the weekend, so we might as well talk about it, right? So we all know that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. He wants out after the end of the season. He worked out with the Packers. He came back, but he's not playing in the preseason. So it was the first chance for the Packers and the world to really get a look at Jordan Love and what the future could look like for the Green Bay Packers under center. So... Not super great, Randy. He led one scoring drive. He managed only one first down on his other six series. He was 12 for 17, 122 yards, one touchdown, and he lost a fumble as well. He banged up his shoulder. That MRI came back clean. However, Matt LaFleur said that his status for practice this week and for preseason game number two against the Jets on Saturday is uncertain. But Peter King had an interesting nugget post game in his column and it doesn't seem like the Packers are all in on Jordan Love. They don't love Jordan Love or at least not right now. So according to Peter King, he says, quote, I got this sense that the Packers think Love isn't ready for prime time yet. And he also says that Love hasn't wowed the team. So not great if you're a Packers fan so far on the Jordan Love front. No, you traded up for that guy and you would hope that you would he would have wowed them by now. You, you not only traded up for him, you angered the MVP that you have in-house by making yeah. the pick. It'd be interesting to go back and just, and obviously it's different because Aaron Rodgers had a real season and a real off season. Jordan Love hasn't really played football since his last game at Utah State because he didn't have a preseason last That's year right. and didn't play at all. And... We we do, I don't think that we can judge two weeks of training camp in a game. We I don't think we can judge a quarterback on that. But it is telling that the court the Packers who did draft him and did move up to draft him are are not saying glowing things about him to this point. Maybe they just don't want to tick off Rodgers again. True, that could be possible that they're just going to temper things or maybe feed things to outlets or to people like Peter King mm-hmm. to make Aaron Rodgers feel like he's the guy, that would be a very shrewd move on the Packers part. Mm -hmm. I got to be honest with you. But I just think it's really interesting after, I I mean, it's one preseason game and you're going to have to give a young quarterback time to grow. But I always just think the response is so interesting. People are so hyped up about Trey Lance. People are really intrigued by Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. People are drunk on possibility on Justin Fields already. And then all of a sudden coming out of Green Bay, Not great. Yeah, we thought Joe Jermaine was going to be great here in St. Louis because he was so good in the preseason in 99. And we weren't even thinking about that number 13. Yeah. Who's that? You know, Who and, is this guy? Yeah. He wound up being okay. As it said on Sports Illustrated cover when he wound up yeah. being okay. Who yeah. is this guy? Who is this guy, right? Yeah, I don't think that it should be a foregone conclusion, but I do think... If they're already telling Peter King that they're not sold on him, that it's not a good luck. No, not at all. And I wonder if there's anything that they can do to get Aaron Rodgers to come back after this season. It doesn't seem likely, but if you're the Packers and you know he's out the door and it doesn't matter what sort of money you give him, he's not coming back and you're not sold on Jordan Love, the heir apparent, the apparent heir apparent. Mm-hmm. Oh, yikes. Then what? Right. Then what? Then what are you going to do? Yeah, he might have some down years in Green Bay. You might want to savor Aaron Rodgers this season. Exactly. If you're a Packers fan. You're killing me, Smalls. I'm always fascinated by people who are willing to pay millions of dollars for a baseball card or for any sort of sports memorabilia. And 
a Honus Wagner baseball card, a T206. It just sold for six. $0.06 million. It includes a 20% buyer's premium. This happened earlier this morning, and it shattered the record for the highest-selling sports card of all time. The previous highest record belonged to a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card. It sold for $5.2 million back in January, and this was matched by that 2003-2004 Upper Deck Exquisite Collection LeBron James Autograph Rookie Jersey in April. I'm going to say this with all due respect to the person that spent the $6.06 million on the Hannes Wagner card. They're stupid. <laughs> said it with all due respect, right? You did. You did. You said it with all due respect. But I agree with you. And I know some people have so much money that that is a drop in the bucket and they mm-hmm. don't care. And I know that this person bought this card and is likely thinking maybe they could sell it if it appreciates in value. But also, Really? $6.606 million for a baseball card? You don't have better things to do with your money? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to look at Hannes Wagner's bug every day? Is that really what you want to do? No. Do you think that you keep that in your house and you look at it every day and you're so pumped that you have this baseball card in your house? You better be really pumped about baseball cards. I imagine you are if you spent $6 million yeah. on it. Yeah, I guess you do. Uh, unless... You don't put that in a safe deposit box. You just put that under seal so that it can't age. And then, yeah, you look at it every day, I guess, because you spend $6 million on it. But if somebody knows you bought it, they might try to steal it from your house. So I don't know if you want to keep it That's in your true. house. I would rather spend $6 million on something else. Yeah, on almost anything else. Yeah. But maybe this guy was a huge Hannes Wagner fan. Obviously, <laughs> he is. Well, that's a great right-handed hitter. I mean, gosh, there's so many other things in sports that I would like to spend $6 million on. Yeah. Yeah. Hannes Wagner's skull. Something like that. His skull? Well, you can get Ted Williams, right? It's always death with you. It It always veers to death. Well, I mean, what else are you going to get from Hannes Wagner at this point? Rather than uh, maybe a bat. Maybe a a Hannes Wagner bat is out there. But otherwise, if you want a piece of Hannes Wagner, you got to get a bone. That's true. That's true. I also think it's very indicative of uh, how I think about death when I think about you that uh, I was texting with you and Danny Mac and I saw the thing about OJ Simpson saying that he doesn't want to live in LA because the real killer is out there. Yeah. And he's afraid that the real killer is going to come for him. And the first person I thought of when I saw that was you. Mm -hmm. And I sent it to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Dan, because I know Dan always says that you're all about death. Yeah. (laughs) But OJ, he's concerned. He should be. Right? The real killer is out there. You never know. You never know. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, um, let's not talk about uh, the Grim Reaper, but Father Time, who is undefeated, and I hate him because he's come for Roger Federer, who's going to miss the U.S. Open and be sidelined for what has been said are many months because he needs a third operation on his right knee. This procedure is leaving him with only a glimmer of hope that he can ever return to competition. Yeah, turn out the lights. Party's over for uh, Roger. He had a great career. Great career. Nice run. But it does happen. People, uh, especially when you run a lot, it's going to affect your knees. So you can do one of two things. You can either have your knees affected or not run. And he chose to run, and this is what happens. You kind of need to yeah. if you're playing tennis. Yeah, right. But I hate Father Time. Yeah. Best ever, Federer? Oh, I thought you meant Father Time. Father Time undefeated, <laughs> obviously. But Except then for in, Tom Brady, who's giving him a run for his money. Yeah. In tennis, you've got Sampras, you've got Federer. Nadal. Uh, Nadal and I love Djokovic. Nadal. I love Rafa. Yeah. So... 
I think those are your four right there. Yeah. Are we missing anyone? I think you go. I don't think Agassi. I, th- I was going to say is Andre Agassi. I I don't remember, but is he I, in that? I think pre Sampras. I think Sampras was so far above everybody else when he retired, and then those three followed him, and it's been an unbelievable era for men's tennis. I think you can pick one of those four. Heck, you give me those four, and I'll take the fourth and take my chances. There you go. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we have tickets for Cardinal Baseball this coming Sunday at the ballpark. And we have somebody that has a great dad joke for us that's going to win those tickets on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle's always a little bit depressed on the night before she has to come back to work, right? You mean every Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Sundays are sad, but... Yeah, the you don't be- get the Sunday scaries? Yeah, the, the day before is always a Saturday. Oh, Randy. <laughs> you got. I fell right into that. I thought we were going to talk Sunday scaries. No. Uh-uh. Saturday. Good one. <laughs> so. That's a good one. Hey, 101 ESPN, uh, ES, <laughs> us, 101 ESPN. We have your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Cardinals and Pirates Sunday at Bush. It's First Responders Appreciation Day at the ballpark presented by Together Credit Union. With the purchase of a special theme ticket, fans will receive an exclusive Cardinals First Responders T-shirt, plus a portion of each ticket sold will be donated to the Backstoppers. Get all the details on this Sunday's First Responders Appreciation Day at cardinals.com slash theme. And uh, we want great dad jokes. And so we have gone to the text line. And Paul is with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. How are you all? Good. What do you got for us, Paul? Oh, just the worst dad joke you've heard. How do you find Will Smith in the snow? Hmm. Will Smith in the snow. How do you find Will Smith in the the snow, Paul? I don't know. Yeah, tell us, Paul. You look for fresh prints. Oh, very good. Well done. Very good. Okay. Paul, we appreciate you listening, and thanks for playing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all. Have a great day. Fresh Prince, very good. Will Smith. Got it. Great. Alex Ferrario was here. Alex, what did you think of that one? He he had that, and I was going through like, okay, what movies have Will Smith been in that would make sense? I didn't even think of Fresh Prince, so way to go, Paul. Five of five on the dad joke scale, right? Yeah, that was a really good one. I might have to steal that. I have one for you. Okay. Okay. Let me find it. Why aren't koalas considered bears? Why aren't koalas considered bears? Mm -hmm. Why? Logically, because they're small, but. (laughs) Because they don't have the koalifications. That's a good one. That's a good one. Nailed it. Randy, you're the king of these. You have to have like 17 of these in the back of your head. Hey, it takes guts to be an organ donor, I'll tell you that. Okay, so my my dad just texted this one in. My dad loves a good dad joke. He just texted this one in. How does a man on the moon cut his hair? How does a man on the moon cut his hair? (laughs) Alex. He eclipses it. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Your dad's got to be driving around like, oh, yeah, this is my bread and butter. He will just send them to me randomly at like 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. And he gets me every time because he'll send a legitimate question. Just like Randy. Saturday, I'll be like, yeah, Sunday scaries. Let's talk about it. And then, boom, no, Saturday. How many years does it take, Randy, before you can get into prime 
dad joke real estate takes where it just time. comes out of nowhere. It takes a long time. Okay. So I, I still got some time. Though. Oh, yeah, you do. I think you have like five years. I've had maybe, usually it's when they, it's, they're thrown at me and they're just kind of like an easy slam dunk, you know? When you start to wear New Balance shoes and like, you know, fully become a dad. <laughs> and Randy like, checked his shoes. You, you need to get like the full outfit. Is that when the dad jokes yeah, just come totally. to Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you look good, you feel good. Right. Yeah. You're you grilling on the back patio. You're grilling. Yeah. Totally. You're, you're talking about the weather. Yeah. <laughs> we are right. getting into prime fall season, which means a nice jumpsuit is is what's what what the calling is. So a jump. Oh, like matching jumpsuit. You I'm know? with you on a jumpsuit. Like suit. full red, white stripe down the side. Get some white New Balance sneakers. I respect Ooh. it. That's mm. that's dad territory in the fall. Hey kids, what kind of a car does a sheep like to drive? Sheep wool. Something with wool. <laughs> A how about a, how about a Lamborghini? Oh, jeez, Randy. <laughs> a Lamborghini. It's pretty good. Thanks. What do you call a fish that wears a bow tie? What do you call a fish that wears a bow tie, Alex? Sophisticated. Almost butchered Sophisticated. that. Sophisticated. Almost Nicely that. done. Okay, Almost I like this that. one from the 573. Did you hear that joke about paper? No. Alex, did you hear the joke about paper? I didn't. Never mind. It's terrible. <laughs> Get it? Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Thank you, 573. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Alex Ferrario in for Danny Mac, the Danny Mac show featuring BK. And what do we got coming up today? We just extended BK and Ferrario today, boys. Like so it. just a little extra Cardinals conversation to get into. I heard you guys getting into the conversation. Michelle, you threw the question, what does this team look like with Jack Flaherty not going down? We're going to dive into that because BK's got some optimism. I'm still a little hesitant. Mm-hmm. I want to see what they do this week against Milwaukee sure. before I'm jumping on this bandwagon. But I am feeling a little bit better about that. So we'll get into that as well. Go seven and six or six and seven against Milwaukee and then play 800 ball against everybody else. The problem is I heard what you said too, Randy, and I'm with you. I, this sets up perfectly for a three and ten record against Milwaukee yes, the rest does. of the season, it does. and that's what concerns me. <laughs> that's what concerns me, especially like this sets up prime like Willie Adamas going off or Colton Wong with a walk off home mm-hmm. run against you. That's where the concern comes into play, or it sets you up for a great pitchers battle and a Paul Goldschmidt homer. Cardinals win one nothing, and you got that rotation makeup for it too. You get the Thursday with Miles coming back. That seems like a Cardinals devil magic thing, doesn't it? Where he comes out of nowhere and throws like a three hitter like Wayno usually does. So I, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting matchup with this Milwaukee team. I think that's kind of the tone setter for how they go about it. So and we're also going to have Katie Wu with us today. So she's going to talk a little. That's right. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, that uh, series win out in KC against the Royals. Love it. Everybody should dominate the Royals, shouldn't they? And the Pirates. And the Pirates. Yeah. So the Cardinals did, took care of their business. And here's the good news. After the Brewers... Let's let's say worst case scenario. Okay, worst case scenario. Thank you. After the Brewers, you face the Pirates for three. Three wins. The Tigers for two. Four, five wins. And then the Pirates for four. Oh, that's another eight game win streak. Nine, or nine game nine win streak. Game winning streak. Right. So I mean. So you can play eight hundred ball against the rest of. And then you have the Reds for three. Yeah. Who it, has no pushover? But. And then you just keep doing that until October, and at that point, it's not the best team; it's the team that's playing the best. That's right. That, that's Momentum. Ex- Right. We learned that in 2011, did yeah. we not? Ten and a half games out. Who gave that team a chance? One thing, one team that I haven't given up on, as long as they play Fernando Tatis Jr., is the Padres. I'm with you. He's unbelievable. He's, Their pitching has just gone like south really quick, though. And they've just had to put Darvish on the yeah. IL. And they almost had Max Scherzer. 
Yeah, so glad that didn't that probably get that. haunts them, right? Yeah. To think that they were ready to send out the press release and then pff, the Dodgers. Well, came and got Turner. Him. I mean, think if they get Turner at short, and then you you're putting Tatis uh, in the outfield like he was yesterday. Right, they would have liked to have done that. Maybe they shouldn't have traded Trey Turner in the first place. I think they would have learned their lesson. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a fun series this week. It'll be it's good for the Cardinals to have this day off mm-hmm. as they get ready for. Three against the Brewers. Looking forward to the extended BK and Ferrario. Thanks for stopping by, Alex. Thank you, and thanks for including me in the dad jokes. <laughs> you got it. Uh, great job, as always, by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And Michelle, we'll do this again tomorrow. I'll see you then. Tomorrow's my hump day. That's right, because you're off Thursday, Friday. I am. So are you going to play the hump day sound? Yes, I am. Okay, good. Yes, looking forward to it. No doubt about it. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, giving us your dad jokes, and being a part of the show, as always, for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.